episode 112 of A Hoop's Journey. We get to sit down with Mr. Emi Enegbu, all the way in Abu Dhabi. Great story. Lots of stuff about um, hard work, showing up even when nobody invites you, and uh, continuing to believe in yourself. Finds himself with a great job in the NBA, um, helping grow the game, which is fantastic, and a really good story overall, and just a great human being. Before you start the episode, please like, subscribe, um, share the word. That's how you can do it without any financial support for us. We out here grinding just on a Wednesday afternoon in Vancouver, doing it so you guys can uh, get some good content. We appreciate every single one of you and know you'll enjoy this episode. Please sit down and enjoy 112. gentlemen welcome back to a hoops journey episode 112 where the players dwell also there we go one of the best 90s r&b groups if you don't know you better check it um the only you remix still slaps uh really excited about today um we consider hoops journey mostly canadian but we do go international in terms of who we connect with and today we have our most international guest yet i believe it is uh, it's a Wednesday morning here in Vancouver, and it is uh, Thursday evening for this guy. Um, so no, it's not. It's a, it's a Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening. I'm tripping. Wow, there's no time yeah. in the world. There's Come on, Mitch, <laughs> get it together here. <laughs> See, I'm in holiday mode. But we got uh, from, from my high school, Terry Fox, to Simon Fraser, dual sport athlete there, but mostly Hooper. All the way to the Vancouver Titans, overseas, the ups, downs, the in-betweens. Um, a guy who's got a great story, I feel like. I say this a lot, but we probably should put a cap on today because we we could be uh, we could be chopping it up all all night and all morning, depending on where we yeah. are. Um, yeah. The official title is the NBA Basketball Operations of Europe and the Middle East, um, which we'll get into, which is super cool. But episode 112... We have Emmanuel, aka Emmy and Negbu, with us today. How are you, my man? Mitch, I'm uh, I'm good, man. I really appreciate the uh, the invite. Like I said, you know, offline, I've been listening to the pod since since you guys started during COVID, and you know, I think I've missed maybe four or five episodes max. So I'm a big we'll, fan of the show. So we'll I definitely, allow that. Uh, we'll allow the misses. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll 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 run those back. I'll get back to them before uh, you know, once I get some time, but. Uh, no, it's great to be here, man. I really appreciate the invite. So I'm excited to, to chop it up with you tonight. Yeah, man. And, you know, I mean, you, me and you, we mostly through DM on Instagram, sending hip-hop videos and just chatting up on life and stuff like that and checking in. And how are you doing? I apologize for my nasal sound today. Everybody listening, I got the, uh, my wife got sick like three weeks ago and a week and a half went by. We went on a vacation. I was like, I'm good. I made it. And then like five days ago, I woke up and I thought my head was going to blow off because it was like, my sinuses were insane. So oh, apologize geez. for that. How are you, man? You know, we just been talking. You got two little ones. Your son just turned three months today. Um, juggling yeah. all that, juggling life um, in Abu Dhabi, where you are. Like, how are things and how's the family yeah. and how's life treating you, man? Man, overall, I am fantastic, to be honest. I, I have no real complaints. Um, like I said, yeah, my wife is uh, 
My wife and I are here with uh, with two kids. My son just turned three months today. My daughter is two, almost two and a half. Yeah. Um, I'm very that busy. Seems, that seems crazy to yeah. you, man. Yeah, it was it was two under two. The birthdays are eleven days apart. No way. Like, well, two years minus eleven days apart. Sure. That makes no, sense. but I, you gotta you gotta yeah, load up financially. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm, we're trying, man. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know it yet, but they're going to be getting two for one parties their entire life. I think I think the deal that we came up with is that uh, next year, like Sovereign, my son, he'll have his his birthday because yeah. it'll be his first birthday. But everything after that is just yeah. Going. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. pick a yeah. pick, pick a date halfway in between the nineteenth and the thirtieth and just run it. Happy birthday to both of you. Happy cake. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, to answer your question, like everything is great. Life is good. Um, life is is busy, but it's a good it's a good busy man. I really have no complaints mm. uh, from that end at all. So. Yeah, very, very happy with uh, what's happening. You've always been like a glass half full kind of guy. At least that's my my take on you, man. And just sort of how you approach the game as a player and the things you were willing to do for your teammates to get wins and things like that. A lot of the stuff that others weren't. So I can just imagine what you're like in your in your work and business life and your and your parenting life. It probably is very similar. Um, And the approach and mental approach are probably very same as well as counting the blessings and thinking of all the good things as opposed to, I mean, we can all sit there and dwell on how hard life is. Right. But I mean, at some right. point you got to realize and take a step back and look around and go, Hey, it ain't that bad. You know? No, that's, it's true. I think, I think my wife is kind of tired of my, my basketball analogies and how I apply those to life. I'd be like, you know what? Sometimes you turn the ball over and okay, you can sit there and complain about it, or you can turn around, sprint back on defense. You can take, you know, you know, things like that. So I bring up sports a lot, but um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 easy to to sort of take like the the negative approach or negative route when things aren't necessarily going your way. But um, I mean, same, you know, same for you. Like, I'm pretty sure that a lot of the life lessons that you've learned have come through sport. And for me, it's like you know, whenever I've faced any type of challenge or issue or problem, I, you know, I. I don't make it a problem until it becomes a problem. I, I try to stay as, you know, as solution-based as, as possible and try to find answers and, you know, and, and ways to, to fix things if things aren't going your way. So, yeah, like you said, I, I try to keep as positive attitude as possible when it comes to, you know, just life in general. Good stuff, man. And, and I think that's something we'll get into more about the show and kind of like your journey and how you've ended up where you are. Um you've got to be adaptable and you've got to be able to find solutions to do what you're doing these days. So we'll, we'll talk more about that, but let's get into it, man. I mean, I know lots about you and I'm sure a lot of our listeners who will be your, your homies and friends and family will check it out. But the people that don't know, like talk about you, your family, how does um, the Negbu family end up in Poco and Terry Fox and sort of how sports became, <laughs> you know, a part of your life. Right. You said, you said, how much time do we got? Yeah, I know, right? Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the neighbors ended up in, uh, let's just start with BC. My parents, uh, my dad and my mom, they uh, they moved to, to Canada. Actually, my dad came in 1980, and then my mom joined him uh, in September 81. Um, and my dad was a student at Regent College, which I believe was near the UBC campus at nice. the time. I'm not sure if it still exists. But uh, yeah, when he first came, he he settled in in Abbotsford. So um, I was actually born in Matsqui, um, you know, all the way out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I was born. That's where my oldest sister Ruth was born, and 
I think my sister Joy was born there too. Yeah, I think so. But um, yeah, that's sort of where we started. Uh, and then, you know, when elementary school sort of came around, we actually grew up in Vancouver, in East Van, not too far from uh, Nat Bailey Stadium. Yeah, um, but yeah, growing up, uh, you know, we were involved in, in all types of sports, baseball, uh, soccer, uh, my, like my, I used to love volleyball. That was what I thought was going to be like my, my ticket that in, in soccer, football. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, you know, we grew up playing, you know, road hockey, roller hockey. I'm, I'm the age of the, uh, when the Vancouver voodoo were in town. Yes. I'm not sure if you remember the Vancouver yeah, of voodoo. Of course, man. Yeah. So we used, to, we used to watch all those games and just enjoyed being out there, you know, just playing all, all types of sports. Um, I can't I saw say I someone really rollerblading the other day. I saw someone rollerblading oh, really? there. I was dying. I was like, man, people still rollerblade. That's amazing. Yeah, they do. They yeah. do. I gotta yeah. get. I gotta get a, a new set. Yeah, at least teach my kids how to do it eventually. But um, yeah, we grew up there just on 45th and Knight. I went. I went to uh, Sir Sanford Elementary School, uh, Sir nice. Sanford Fleming Elementary School, I should say. Not far um, from you these days, man. Oh, really? Yeah, we're in Champlain Heights. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not far at all. That's, it's like basically 54th ish, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. We used mm -hmm. to take that, um, I think it was what, Victoria Drive or something like that. They would go straight to Metro Town. So we used to pass Champlain all the time. Yes. Sir. Uh, yeah. Give me memories. That's right near Killarney School, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And we're going um, back. Yeah. Yeah. We're going way back, way back. But yeah, that was, uh, that was the area that we grew up in. Um, and that was, you know, the era of, you know, you know where all the homies were because you would walk by and the house that had the lawn with all the bikes outside. But, oh, who's, who's, who, you know, who's there today? You know, that was, so we were just outside literally all the time. And, uh, the area that we grew up was a townhouse complex. Um, it was called Collodin Court. It was right there on 50, uh, 45th and night. And the great thing about, you know, our childhood growing up is that a lot of the kids in our area that we grew up we were all around the same age, mm -hmm. all within, you know, six, seven years of each other. So, it was just, it was just sports all day. It was playing, you know, uh, capture the flag, all those different, you know, those, those games and sports, anything just to stay active, you mm -hmm. know, to be outside because you knew that once you were outside, like if you came inside to, to get a drink or if you came inside to, to change your shirt, then you weren't going back out. So we stayed outside as, as much as possible. Yeah. So we, yeah, we played a ton of, yeah, we played a ton of sports growing up when we were, uh, when I was 12. I got a late birthday, so I started, you know, grade eight when I was 12. I actually spent my first two months of high school at John Oliver. That was in our, our catchment. The Joker. So, yeah. So I was, I was the Joker for, I don't know, a month and a half or so. And then, uh, we moved out to, to Poco. Okay. And it was a bit of a surprise. And, you know, <laughs> bro, you know, when you're that age where you're 12, 13, you're still just, you know, trying to figure out who you are, where you fit you know, in like the mm -hmm. social scheme of, of high school or junior high, whatever it is. And uh, I felt that was like the rug was like pulled out from under me. I was devastated. I'm not going to lie. Like yeah. when we left Vancouver, because all my friends were there, you know, family was there. And then we just moved to, I didn't really know what pork equipment was or where it was, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, we ended up moving out to Poco. And that honestly, I can say now was one of the best, uh, one of the best, you know, life experiences, uh, for me in terms of my, uh, sports career or basketball career or just sort of what gave me that, that love for the, for the sport of basketball. Because like I said before, basketball was maybe third or fourth on my list 
Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, you know, coming out to, to Poco, I did one year at George Perks. And then that turned into, I think, a middle school. And then yep. that's where uh, I went to, to Terry Fox. And I was the first group, you know, when they when they changed to um, grade 9 to 12. So I was the first group of grade 9s right. that came in. Oh, yeah. damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Definitely was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it used to just be Perks was 8, 9, 10. And then Fox was just 11, 12 back then, right? So, yep. yeah. Yeah, that is. It's a hard thing, right? I was thinking that, like, when we have new kids coming to our schools and things like that. I'm like, you're 12, 13 years old. You know, you're just trying to grow a beard and like figure life out. And then all of a sudden, and, and, you know, your parents are obviously doing it from good intentions, right? Like good intentions to move to Canada, have a family, create something, but good intentions to move to Poco, but it still doesn't take the hardness for you to be like, yeah, I'm just kind of getting settled. And now I got to meet a whole bunch of new people and go to like a place like Poco, right? Which is pretty unique in itself. You know what I mean? So definitely, yeah, tough transition. Yeah, it was it was a little bit tough, but you know, looking back on it now, and looking back from a different perspective, especially as the parent, yeah, it's your responsibility now. Like, I will have to make some some difficult decisions that will benefit the family. You know what I mean? Say less. Yeah, and they're 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 going to be difficult. There's going to be maybe some people disappointed, or maybe even a little bit of backlash. But my job now, and this is what I think about. It's like the one thing I think about, like when I wake up, like how. You know, it's just I'm leading a family, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. a lot of the decisions I, I I make, a lot of the the relationships in terms of networking and all these different things, like everything comes back to the family. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when I think about when we moved to Poco, you know, I didn't really see the big picture at the time. Like I said, yeah. we grew up in a townhouse complex, uh, a townhouse complex of 45th and night, which is like, you know, low income housing. Yeah. But the house. But when we moved to Poco, that was the first time that my parents uh, owned a house. That was the first house that we bought. And these were, uh, right there on coast Meridian. Yeah. And they were right across from George purse. I just hopped the fence and boom, I'm on, I'm at school. Awesome. And, uh, my brother will probably laugh at this, but, uh, like for us, we were like, man, this sucks. Like, Oh, I can't believe like, cause we, my brother, Tim, you know, Tim, he yeah, wasn't I, athletic uh, enough to hop the fence or what? Right. Exactly. And, and he was, he was, you know, he was seven at the time, but when we moved to this house, like we, you know, this is the first time that my parents were homeowners. Yeah. Which when you think about it now, I mean, obviously I came to this realization years ago, but when I think about where my parents started, where they grew up in Nigeria, I went to Nigeria in 2017 and I saw where they grew up and how everything started. So to go from where they started in Nigeria, moved to Canada without knowing one single person, now they're owning a house. It's 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 unbelievable. Like the sacrifice we're talking about sacrifices and leading a family, like. Mm-hmm. My dad, I'm not sure if you've met him. You probably, you've seen him around. Yep. Uh, my dad, uh, Ruben, Alajema. If we're talking about the goat, that's that's the dude right there. I'm not going to lie. And my mom, of course. Yeah. But um, yeah, um, so I was going to say, like, when they moved to Poco, that was the first house that we owned. Mm-hmm. And speaking of sacrifices, my brother Tim and I, we had to share a room, right? So I'm starting high school, and I got to share a room again with my brother. Crap, my but style, it was actually like, man. oh, yeah, <laughs> big time. But it was a, uh, it was actually like the baby room. In the mm. uh, in the townhouse, so like the room was like you, you saw my little office here, like yeah, it was literally the size of this tiny room, and there was like elephant and like balloon wallpaper on the on the, on the top panel of the of the walls, and I was just mad, I was devastated, but it didn't take long for me to realize that you know these are the sort of sacrifices and that that parents have to make, and 
in the long run, it it big time benefited our our whole family. So, for yeah, sure, man. Shout out to shout out to both my parents. Doing this show is <clears throat> I've always known it, and you know, just being like a I mean everyone in Canada is some form of immigrant, but you just realize talking with people that like how young Canada still actually is, right? Like we're talking like your parents right. have been, they've done all this stuff, but really it's only been like 40-ish years, you know? Right. Like yeah. that's crazy to think about, you know what I mean? It feels like this huge t- amount of time, but um, I'm, it's always just so cool how many men and women I've had the chance to talk to you that are just like, it was the parents that moved and took the first risk. And then it kind of like, you, you just... Apparently learn from that, you know, and you're right, man, when yeah. it comes to parenting, like we had a bit of a rough end of the school year with our son and we, my wife and I just realized it's like, okay, well, I guess for the next, he's going into grade two. So 11 years, like, and more, but like, we're going to advocate like crazy for this kid. Like we are not sitting on the right. sidelines waiting for a teacher, principal, vice principal to be like, oh, let's do it. No, we are going to be front and center in everything. And it's, and it's just kind of, it's what you take on. It's what you sign up for. Right. And, um, good on you, man. It's, that's dope. Yeah. No, I'm, but I mean, likewise, likewise for you, I think, um, it's great to advocate for your, for your son. I think once he gets older and he realizes, you know, what, what you and your wife have done for him and continue to do for him, these are things that, you know, it takes some, it takes some life experiences. It takes some maturity, but these are things that it will come back. That's not the reason you're doing it, but those, no, no, no. that appreciation will come back eventually. You know, hopefully, yeah. and they'll, they'll realize, you know, what you, That's what you know, the, that, that path. Yeah. Is yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I guess that's, uh, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Time will tell. No doubt. All right. So George Perks. Now we're at Terry Fox, man, and we've obviously yeah. had Rich and Don on. Um, you go on and have. I mean, your your last two high school years play get to play in a couple of really good teams. Obviously, grade twelve and unfortunate, you know, loss in the provincial final. But like, <sighs> which we'll get in. Yeah. I know, right? I was doing some yeah. reading this morning, and I was like, I know we won't want to, but we will. But just sort of, <laughs> I mean, one of those when you think about that, which we'll talk about, is like, what a Pitt and Fox are half an hour apart from each other, and it's like, if you guys would have played each other fifteen times, who knows how it would have gone? You know what I mean? So. Right. um you kind of get yourself settled in, you figure things out. Um, Terry Fox, basketball, football, talk about those experiences and the people that you were connected with and the power of sport. We've mentioned many times, just when you make a tough move at that age, you don't know it yet, but like you go to the first football practice and there's like 50 dudes that you may not, you're not going to have a time to get to know them all or basketball practice or whatever. Like there's 12 guys, like you're meeting people right away. Um, yeah. Right. So talk about that, well, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at, at Terry Fox, I'm not sure if you remember this, but like you were part of my first experience at Terry Fox basketball. Okay. Like we, we were the group coming from George Perks. It was us. And, uh, I think a group coming from, from Quake Quitlam, which was the feeders into, into Fox. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that summer there was the, uh, there was the spring league or sorry, the spring yeah, league man. at Thomas Haney. Yes, sir. I think it was you and, it was you and, uh, and Colin McDonald. Yep. Who uh who coached us coming up. So that was like so our group was like myself, Dean Whalen, uh Steve Crump, and obviously my main man, Taylor, Cherish Wilding. We used to um, roast Taylor, I, but remember he had the hair with the berets and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the he had the long hair and he had the clips. I we talk about it every so often. Uh <laughs> I remember the day that he walked in because he came in a little bit late. He showed up at Thomas Haney and we had no clue who he was. Yeah. He had like long he had he had the long hair. Like down to his, you know, past his shoulders. 
Yeah. He had like the little clip, he had the clips in his hair. I'm pretty sure he came in on a skateboard or a boogie board or something yeah. like that. And uh, we're all kind of like, who is like, who is this dude, man? But once you gave him the ball, I was like, okay, this, this this guy's this guy's serious. Well, Rich and, and Don uh, were like, um, there's going to be a new guy showing up today. Like, just welcome him right. or whatever. And we're like, all right. We walked in and we were yeah. like, what the? And then, yeah, this exactly. The it was like, like he plays basketball, <laughs> but he plays, he plays basketball, man. Yeah. And uh, no, like Taylor is literally like my best friend in the world. Like we've been friends ever since that day. Um, but yeah, that was, that was one of my, that was pretty much one of my earlier memories of, of Terry Fox basketball is just being on that spring league team going from grade eight into grade nine. And, um, I forgot the name of our grade, grade nine coach. I want to say, I forgot his first name, but I think his last name was Parker. Uh, and he was, uh, I forgot, I forgot his first name, Uh, but he was our coach. Steve Parker? No, No, not Steve Parker. But um, he was our coach in grade nine, and that year in grade nine, we were we were awful. We were terrible. Yeah, I think we played almost forty games that year. I think we won like I don't know. I'd say like ten or twelve. Like we were not, we weren't, we weren't a great team. But um, you can see that we had like the pieces for for you know for a great team, mm-hmm. and we had the coaching, and you know we had the guys who who had that 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 drive to get better. Um, by the time I got to grade nine, I'd sort of given up on my my dreams of being a, a, a volleyball player. Like I, I honestly, I just love volleyball. I just had yeah. a lot of success earlier in elementary school. Um, basketball, I was okay at, but it wasn't like my main thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, by the time grade nine rolled around, because George Perks, there was no grade eight team, and you know, there was no real club basketball back then. So I was like, okay, I was still playing soccer, football at the time. I was still playing soccer at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was still a little bit focused on that, but I was like, you know what? Let me try to put in a bit more effort into try to become a better, you know, a better basketball player. Mm-hmm. And it was it was pretty easy doing that because of the guys that I was surrounded by. You know, guys like Taylor, guys like you know Steve Crump, like I mentioned before, uh, Dean Whalen. And there's a you know a few other guys. That, you remember Brody Anderson, Kenny Ojla, those those guys, right? We were, you know, gym we, rats, man. We, yeah, we were gym rats and. Mm-hmm. Again, one of my earlier memories of Trey Fox basketball was like we didn't live too far from this is the old Trey Fox, by the way. Yeah. Right. Yep. So so we didn't live too far away from from the from the school. So I would just chill after after school and I would just watch like Jim Martin, Bryce McDonald, Neil, uh, Neil Morrison, like they're 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 the age group above me. So I would watch their practices and then I would stay even longer than I would watch the senior boys. And that was like the seniors that year were like Jeff Antwi, Jojo. Um, yes. I forgot who else. I think Rich Morgan was on those on yep. that team. Richie would have been on there. Yeah. Remember uh, Benji Marshall, Neil Figueres, yeah. all those guys. Like when I was in grade nine. They lost the kids right? guys, in the final. Um, yeah. I think at, at, at GM Place. Yeah at, yeah. at GM Place. I went to watch that game. Mm. But like those guys were, I mean, they're three years older than me, which the older you get, obviously that, that age gap sort of lessens a bit. But when you're in grade nine, you know, you're 13, 14 years old. You couldn't tell me that Jeff Antry was not going to the NBA. He was like a hero to me. I was like, man, that, that dude is good. Like Jojo, yeah. I remember seeing him on the fast break. He, he'd be banging on dudes. I was just like, I cannot. And I used to watch those games. I remember Rich Chambers screaming his, his lungs out at, uh, do you remember a guy, there was a guy named Herman Chan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And 
And he was, I thought he was, oh yeah, yeah. He was, I thought he was a decent player, but like he was, you know, he did, he barely saw the floor. He Mm -hmm. was the end of the bench and he would just get like chambers would be all over him, but he would just be like, okay, coach. And I'm like, how does he do that? So I learned a lot from just watching guys like that. Mm -hmm. And I sort of tried to like prepare myself because I, like when I was in grade nine, I was thinking that I hope I make the team in grade 11 in grade 12. Like, I hope I'm picked you know yeah yeah um but yeah i just remember watching those watching those guys play um watching those guys practice and it used to just like inspire me because i'm like i just need to get to that level like i have Mm -hmm. to get to that level at some point uh in my high school career so yeah i just i just remember just being there getting home at like 7 8 8 30 p.m after just watching those guys just practice and shoot and get better and, and and compete so that's sort of how i built that uh that that like that that fire that that com- i was always competitive but that's how mm-hmm. i sort of you know i sort of sort of sharpened that and it's it's with me today for better or for worse <laughs> <laughs> depending who we ask yeah yeah <laughs> depending <laughs> on who we ask well there's been a few people who probably go like this with their nose that have felt uh an elbow or something right yeah 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 mm. a couple yeah. here and there and taking but a few, I mean, re- taking a few rebounds from a few people too. That's all good though. It's in between the lines, man. It's, it's all part of competing, and it is all between the lines. Like mm-hmm. you know, you you get into you get into pretty competitive situations in practice. If you're going three on three or four on four, or if you're doing a rebounding drill, like I, I was just sort of built to, and I'm not even sure where I got it from because it's not like my dad is not a competitive person, but they never push sports on yeah. us at all. Yeah, yeah. He was like, my, you know, my mom and my dad, they would come to to literally every game from elementary school all the way to, to SFU. You said, we're, we'll talk about the, the Titans later. They came to all those games. Mm. But it was never like, hey, you need to go out. You, I need 18 points. I need 12 boards. I need, you know, whatever. It was just like, hey, good job. Go, you know, a lot of my uh, teammates used to laugh because in their minds, my dad had like a pretty thick, you know, Nigerian accent. And he used to scream, and he used to scream, go Ravens, you know, from the top of the bleachers. Yeah. But that's that's what he was about. He just supported everybody. He just wanted to, you know, as long as everybody had a good time, competed, yeah. and finished the game healthy, that's all they wanted, you know. Perfect. So, I love yeah. that. That's cool, yeah. man. And, like, you think about the names that you just kind of listed off between, like, the guys that you got to play with, including yourself, and then one year ahead of you, two years ahead of you, you just listed off, like, 15 guys that played post-secondary, you know? Right. Like, like, yeah. and I'm not trying to sound like an old head or whatever, but just, there just weren't as many schools back then. Right. So it was like, right. The high school level was, you know, you're talking about Herman Jennings, like, well, you're actually coming off the bench because Jeff Antwi is going to be like, um, he's going to be close to an assist breaking guy at SFU in the future. You just don't know it yet. You know what I mean? Like, right. Crazy. The talent that was there. And, and you're right just talked about this with Michael Grange on the last episode. And he talked about, we were talking about the same thing as like looking up to, it's like, well, yeah, I know who, you know, I know who Steph Curry is or Steve Nash, but like I'm in the gym watching these guys and that they seem like superheroes to me, you know? And uh, I think there's something to yep. be said for that. Yeah, that's tangible. Um, yeah, exactly. Like I, I, like the the type of basketball I wanted to be wasn't, you know, this is the Jordan era as well, right? So yeah. you, you see Jordan on TV, but I think in grade nine, grade 10, I knew how good I was. 
like I knew it wasn't going to be Jordan, but I was like, if I can aspire to be, you know, as good as the, as, as Joe, I used to love Jojo's game because we kind of played like the same position, yeah. you know? So I used to love watching him play. I used to love uh, watching uh, guys like Jamie Schultz, right? You remember him? Cause he was like inside, outside. He could play like a three or four or five. Yeah. He had a little feathery jumper. I was like, man, that guy is so skilled. Like, how do I, what do I need to do to get to the level uh, of, you know, how these guys play in terms of, of, of skill, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like those, those tangible skills and people were, were right there in front of me and they were, they're from Poco, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was a really making, cool experience growing up. Making me feel old, man. I forgot how many of these kids actually did coach. I forgot I did all that, man. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. You're like, you're like the OG. You're like the OG. <laughs> I think one of the OGs, and that's you know, it's a compliment, obviously. Appreciate you that. You look fantastic, and you look you look, you look fantastic, by the way. Let me add I'll, that. I'll get my wife to answer that later. But yeah, sure. Thanks. I'll take it from you. <laughs> take it from you. Your Wi-Fi yeah. must be dodgy over there. Um, <laughs> what can we say about the people at Parkside, especially our guy Sam Payne, a huge supporter of basketball in our community. The gentleman does many things behind the scenes that people don't know about. And one of those is supporting our podcast from literally day one. Sam reached out to us and said, hey, I like what you're doing. How do we get involved? And what you can do is find them at any local government store or come down to the brewery, sit on the patio, sit in the back, listen to the music, come for music trivia night, whatever it is, the wide variety of beer that they offer is second to none and Port Moody in the Brewers Row is a great place to be we are so appreciative of Parkside Brewery we can't even say it in enough words head down we hope to see Parkside and if you can't find a way to support because they do a lot for us cheers So talk about those years with, you know, Rich and Don and kind of the, the intensity of the practices and sort of, um, you know, the level of the level of basketball for high school is pretty, pretty high, man. What you're hearing and seeing every day and then the expectations in terms of living up to the legend of Terry. Right. Yeah. Um, which I think we all wear to, you know, hold to our hearts dearly. Um, and those that went through those practices and times know what it means and who Terry is to us. But. I think there's yeah. something special and there's a reason that, you know, when people think of Terry Fox basketball that have played it, you know, something good usually comes from their brain because it was a pretty crazy experience. And then being able to play on like really good teams also helps too. Right. So talk about those yeah. two years and that fun time. And then when did you start to see yourself as someone who was going to play post-secondary? Uh, those are good questions. I'll start with um, uh, playing for, for Rich and, and for, for coach, uh, Van Os. Uh, so I think Van Os, Don, he coached us. See, I barely even called him Don. I still call him coach. I was going to say Coach Van Os and Coach Chambers. Like Don and Rich just sound weird to me. So, yeah. Um, weird, right? so Coach Van Os, we had him in grade 10. But I think okay. he came down from seniors. And I think they just sort of recognized that our group was was likely going to be a special group. So I guess he just came down to grade 10 to coach us and just sort of, you know, groom us and prepare us for, for senior basketball. So. Sure. Uh, we had a complete turnaround going into our grade 10 year um, from uh, from grade nine. Like I said, grade nine, we didn't win too many games. Uh, we were competitive, but, you know, we just we just weren't as good as we as they saw that we were going to be. So by grade mm-hmm. 10, I think even in the preseason rankings, we were either one or two top five for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that year was it was a, it was a great year. It was a very successful year. Um, that was uh, again, like you mentioned, uh, Pit Meadows. That's where that rivalry with Pit Meadows, the Aaron Christensen, Michael Lane, all those guys. That's mm-hmm. where that that and that was like a true rivalry, a, like yeah. a real rivalry. That's that's where that uh, that really started. Um, personally, that year, I think I I had a lot of growth um like physically like i grew from like six one to about like six three and a half ish uh just during that school year um in grade eight for reference i was like five eight i was never like short or or like small but you know in grade eight you're like five eight five nine ish but i grew like six seven inches almost eight inches within those two years um and and during that time you know I, i i would actually notice like how we were getting better as a team and how, you know, we call it, you know, playing the Terry Fox way that was introduced to us very, very early. And we sort of understood exactly what it meant to wear, you know, the Terry Fox jersey, understanding his his legacy and what he's done for not just the city of Poco, but literally worldwide mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, done outside of Canada and what he stood for. So we understood that when you put that jersey on, like you're playing for for everybody, for everything. You're playing for that I mean I keep saying the word legacy, which is my daughter's name. Yeah. Um it's dope. you're playing for that. You're playing because you're representing his, his his legacy and everything that he's done. So yeah. If you're gonna put that jersey on, like you better be you better be serious. So we understood early, just based on uh Coach Van Austin's like his his intensity in practice, his preparation, and just what was demanded from us as players. Like we knew early on that you know, I, I, I did a whole bunch of coaching at, uh, at Queen Elizabeth secondary later on, but I would have guys come, Oh, coach, sorry, I can't make it. I have a, I have a science test tomorrow. Oh, sorry, coach. I can't make it. I have a, uh, I have a, uh, a dentist appointment, but we knew early on, especially in grade 10, that like a science test isn't an excuse to, to miss a basketball practice because it comes down to, to time management. You should have been studying for that test. You should have been preparing for that test. And then also understanding, okay, you have practice here, you got, you know, maybe some weights here, and then you have to go back and study for the test again. So you have enough time in the day. It's about what you want to prioritize. And we sort of policed each other. Like we knew, like, we knew when guys were coming to the tryouts or guys would, you know, be put on the team, like, this guy's not going to last. This guy's always missing practices. This guy's not, he's not focused. And like clockwork, those guys would just drop off. They were just not mm-hmm, built mm-hmm. Yeah, to, yeah. to be part of that team. And then also, they didn't really fit in like that sort of uh, I don't want to call it like a lazy attitude, but that sort of like that passive, mm, you know, I'll just show up when I feel like I'll compete when I feel like, like we didn't, like we did not, we didn't F with those guys at all. It's like, bro, like if we're going to be competing on the same level, mm-hmm. if we're going to be going out and have that same objective, which is to win games and get better as a team mm-hmm. and you're going to hold us back because you don't want to come to practice or you got excuse after excuse, or you're always quote unquote injured, then we're just not, you know, we're not going to get along. And it didn't like, we didn't need coach Van Oss or coach Chambers to tell us that we just sort of knew who the guys were and who the guys were not. Right. And you know, exactly how that is, you know, you know, playing at Terry Fox. Um, So that year, like we, we had a very successful year, my grade 12 year. And uh, I'll actually tell you a, a funny story at the end of the season. Um, Actually, during that during that season, grade ten, there was a, a bunch of teams, like 10, 12, 15 teams, 
that were like really, really good. That could have won the BC. There was us, there was Pitt Meadows, there was Richmond, Walnut Grove, um, Dover Bay, it was Trumpy and those guys. So there are a ton of teams. I think you're going to have to check with Taylor on this, but I think we played Siakam in the, uh, and they had like Chris Johal, Mike Kim at that time. Uh, we played them in the Fraser Valley finals that year and we lost. Siakam. Yeah. So Siakam. Wow. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was Siakam. Okay. Again, we'll have, to, we'll have to fact check later on, but I think I'm right about this one. And, um, so we played Siakam in that final and we lost, but, um, just by making the final, obviously we qualified for the BCs. So after the game, you know, guys were upset in the locker room. There's some few tears going around and, uh, we're like, you know what? We'll get them. We'll get them at the BCs. Chambers comes into the, into the locker room. Mind you, he wasn't coaching us that year. I think, uh, coach Princeton comes into the locker room. Uh, Van Oss is there and they're talking to us and they say, Hey guys, it was a great season, you know, and we're going to be preparing for next season. And we're like, yeah, but what about the BCs? They're like, we're not going to be going to the BCs. And we were like, uh, excuse me. Cause that's, you know, that's like the, that's like the Holy grail. Like you, you play all year to get to the BCs. Cause that's the one that really counts. The Fraser Valley, you know, you cut, you cut an L in the Fraser Valley. Hey, it hurts, but let's, let's prepare for like, for the, for the big, you know, for the, for the big dance. And they came into the locker room and out of nowhere, they're like, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not going to the BCs. We don't think that the grade 10 BCs really mean anything. We really want to prepare you guys for next year. So we're, we're, we're bypassing the, uh, the invite and guys were choked. I was just like, bro, like, are they serious? Yeah. Cause it's an invitational, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's invitational. And they said, yeah, we're not, we're not going, but that, that same. So in that same speech, like, okay. We're not going to be going to the BC, but, and I'll never forget this. They said, uh, Steve, Steve Crump, Taylor, Dean Whalen, and our big guy, Carl Rowinski. Uh, you four, yeah, they're like, you four, we want you guys to come on Monday because we're going to pull you guys up to the senior team. So you guys are going to go with the senior team. You're going to train during, you know, hell week, and you guys will be at the BCs, at the Agrodome. And I looked to my right, looked to my left, I'm like, Taylor, Dean, Carl. I said, what about any? And I, I just kept quiet. I'm like, they didn't. Like, I'm not invited. So what I did was I said, okay, cool. I just kept quiet. Monday morning, I got up at like 6.30, whatever time the practice was, and I was the first one in the gym. I just I just said, they're not going to notice that they didn't call me. If I just show up and I compete and I sort of earn my spot, then what, what difference is it going to make? They're not going to be like, hey, we didn't tell you to come here. Like, go home. So I just said, in my mind, I'm like, I think I deserve to be there. So I'm just going to show up. So I showed up on Monday and I was in fantastic shape. And I was just like, I was, I, if my memory serves me correctly, I just, I just remember thinking, I, I'm here to kill everybody. If I can use that word, like I'm here to, like, I, I was so upset because I felt I deserved to at least be chosen to come and compete and, you know, play the DC. So I showed up. I didn't say anything. I just showed up. I, grabbed as many rebounds as I could. I blocked as many shots as I could. I competed. They didn't say I anything to you? No, they didn't no. say anything. I think they thought that they had invited me, but I'll never forget it because a Take advantage percent, of old age, huh? Exactly. They did not invite me, but I said, I deserve to be here. So I showed up and at the end of the week, when it was time to get uh, ready for the BC, they, they gave me a jersey. But I was like, sweet, I'm Double. on the team. So that was my first experience at the, at the Agrodome. And uh, I can tell you right now, actually, now, that, now that I'm on the, not to cut you off on the coaching side now, they always roast Fox. Cause like 
they bring, you know, like that, what they'll do now at the BCs, I think you get 15 roster spots, yeah, like 20 passes, right. Between coaches, managers, players, and, yep. and then anything else you have to pay for now. And but Fox always brings like 12 dudes, right? Yeah. Like if they bring like a whole nother everybody. team. So that's, so that's probably why they didn't notice me, but, uh, yeah, I made it. Then I was, I was there, I was on the bench and I remember I was, uh, on, I think in one of the, one of the games, one of the, the few games that I was like the sixth man off the bench. I, was, I remember there was one game. I was the first one off the bench. I got fouled and I shot two free throws against, uh, we played Van college. No. Uh, so I remember, yeah. I, and I went two for two from the line, grabbed a couple of rebounds. And I remember that game, especially because, uh, I think Jamie Schultz was on that team. That was his grade 12 year. And yeah. also Jazz Mander. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that was Jazz's uh, grade 12 year as well. Nice. And I remember playing against Van College and they had a, a really stocky guard at the time. His name was Nolan. Do you remember him? Nolan, uh, Nolan Lambaja. I remember okay. him. Okay. No. And the only reason I remember him is because I forgot someone was shooting a free throw and I was lined up. Uh, you know, I was the bottom block, right? Yeah. And, uh, so they shoot, they shoot the, the free throw and they missed it. And I was like, okay, he's, you know, I was like six, four at the time. I was tall. I was athletic and he's about like five, 10. Yeah. Um, and I remember he just put his forearm on me, right. Yeah. Completely moved me out the way and just grabbed the rebound and, and finished. And then I thought to myself, okay, so this is, this is what senior basketball is about. Mm-hmm. You know, this, mm-hmm. this, this is what it is. I think that, okay, you know, I got the jersey, I'm here, I, you know, I'm at the BC, I'm, you know, at least I'm able to compete, but it was a whole different ball game in terms of strength, athleticism, preparation, uh, even, even, even mentally. So I learned that from that one moment, that free throw, okay, I need to get stronger. I need to get in the gym. I need to work out, mm-hmm. right? I need to actually lift some, some weights and put some size on if I really want to compete, uh, at the next, oh, sorry, at, you know, at the senior level next yeah. year. So I, it's just weird little anecdotal stories like that, little instances that just sort of stick out in my mind because it shaped, you know, some of my decision making and shaped my approach in, in terms of how, you know, in terms of how I wanted to, you know, play play the game of basketball and like the sort of player that I wanted to, that I wanted to be, you know. So yeah, I got a lot of these little funny memories that that come back now that we're <laughs> now that we're. <laughs> having a discussion and that's exactly why they do it though right is is so that you know when you're in grade 11 it's not a big it's still a big deal you make the bcs or whatever but it's not your first time right even if you're grade 10 and they pull you up you're at least on the bench for four games watching shooting layups warm-ups you may not get in but you're at least experiencing the whole thing the banquet whatever it is the routine of everything so there was some method to the madness in the sense that all they wanted was um, young guys to just be more prepared, right? I think because now that they have the opportunity, it used to just be grade 11, 12, right? And so now right. they're like, okay, well, with a high school that's nine to 12, let's take advantage and bring these kids up and and give them some exposure. And just like that, one moment for you, the light clicks on, you're like, whoa, that's oh, just a little guard that just pushed me out of the way. I got some, you know, yeah. and and just sort of, and those that were willing to do the work and and, and put it put it in would would be ready to go, you know? So- Right. Put it in. Pause. Um, Pause. <laughs> I had to mute because yeah, my true. wife came down and made a freaking protein shake. I don't. Did you hear it? No, I didn't. It was okay. Good. No, I, I, I saw it. her just sort of walk oh, in the background. Yeah, like, man. I'm like, it's all good, man. Yeah. Life I get on a the smoothie. 
I get a smoothie every morning for my wife. It's delicious, though. Shout out to uh, shout out to your wife for taking care of your health. Is this smoothie for you, at least? My bad. Never mind, man. Yeah. It would have been nice, right? <laughs> it would have been. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay, grade 11, 12. You know, fun, good rivalry. It's funny. You know what, Mike? Since Coach Goulet has been passed, has him and right. I, you know, he's reached out about the podcast, and he actually came to one of our games last year. We played out in Maple Ridge for the playoffs, so super cool, man. Like I just love how how the game works. But talk about those rivalry games and all those moments, and sort of like, you know, <clears throat> it's hard to deal with, and still, even you know, when I brought it up, it's like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, we played a team. We played Port Alberni at the BCs this year. We lost first mm-hmm. round. We got upset to JY Jordan Eustine, and uh, yep. we played. We played them the next round. They hadn't been to the BCs in like twenty one years. Wow! Right, and I'm like, so that's what you got to think, right? Is like you're playing for a program where it's like it's the standard is to make the provincials to qual to make it and win first round, finish top eight, and make a run if you can, kind of thing, right? Whereas some programs. It's like a celebration just to even qualify, you know? So right. it doesn't make it any easier, but, you know? No, yeah. I mean, we knew going into our grade 11 year that there was, I don't want to call it the pressure, but there was that sort of unspoken pressure that, like, Terry Fox, we just go to the BC. That's just our thing, you know? Like, no matter what ranking that we have going in, Terry Fox is going to be at the Agrodome, right? And there's there's no there's no real discussion about that. Yeah. Um, Unlucky for for me and uh, and the guys that I uh, came in with and you know my my group of grade elevens. Our grade eleven year was the first year in I don't know how long it was that we didn't qualify for the BCs. And I still feel really yeah we didn't qualify for the BCs. So that was like the grade twelve year for like Bryce McDonald, Jim Martin, uh, like Neil Morrison, those guys that I that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who else is on that team? I think uh, Atomic, Atomic Payjack. Remember Atomic? Yep. That's my guy. Um, yeah, so we actually didn't qualify for the BCs that year. In the Fraser Valley, we lost our first game. And I want to say we lost that to, I think it was White Rock Christian or Fleetwood Park. One of the two. Again, the the encyclopedia when it comes to high school basketball will be Taylor. He knows all this stuff. So we lost yeah, our yeah. first game. Um we lost our first game going in and it was just too, it was too difficult for us to, to recover. Yeah. 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 We, I think we had to win like three in a row or four in a row. Uh, we just couldn't do it. Uh, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken and I might be mistaken, but I think I might be correct in this as well. Um, that was the year that, uh, Centennial made their run to the finals. Remember that they had, um, Mike Leslie and, uh, oh, yeah. there was another guard on that Lamar team. Durant. Uh, no. That was, I'm not, I don't even know who Lamar Durant is, to be honest. No? Maybe that's, no, I don't. Who's that? He was a stud athlete. Um, really? He was a running okay. back, basketball guy, ended up, um, oh. yeah, you're right. He might be a little bit, might be a little bit older. Younger? Oh, Younger, okay. sorry. Younger. But, um, but uh, I was saying that uh, that Centennial team, they lost their first game at the, at the Fraser Valley that year as well. Yeah. And then they won an a insane run they they won they won out the rest of the uh the tournament i think they won the the fraser valley that year and then they went straight to the to the finals mm-hmm. at the bcs and i think they lost to white rock christian that year um we're talking 99 
That was 99. So that's that's when uh, Chad Clifford was the MVP of the province. Yeah, it says... Um, Am I right? 1998 was the fifth title for the Richmond Colts as they beat Vancouver College in the finals. Then in 99, yeah. we saw the emergence of Scott Allen's White Rock Christian Warriors as they See? won 72-62 over Centennial. See? Over Centennial. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, that was Chad Clifford's MVP year. Correct. In my opinion, like he was one of like, Chad. Chad's only a year older than me. Yeah. And uh, I coached a year at, at drive basketball with those guys back in the day. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't talk with him very often, but I see him every now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's he was a, an amazing player. He was my teammate at SFU as well. But yeah. I remember when he was in high school, I was like, bro, this guy is he's here. I just I just thought he played so hard and he competed mm-hmm. at such a high level. And, uh, yeah, I just, anyways, it's just a side note. I really like watching Chad Clifford play, play, uh, high school. Uh, mm-hmm. and they had a really good team. They had a, you know, a fantastic team that year as well. But, um, yeah, we were watching from the sidelines, right? We didn't, we didn't, we didn't get to go down to the Agar Dome, uh, to, to play. We went down there to watch. And I remember watching those games and I just said, you know, we have to make it here next year. Like we will make it here next year. Like there's no, mm-hmm. there's no, uh, there's no debate about that. Um, I remember that last game because we had to win, we had to win out after losing our first game at the Fraser Valleys. Again, I forgot who we, who we lost to that last game. I think it actually was Centennial. Yeah. Um, I think we were supposed to beat them. If we'd won, then I think we would have been able to get through. But I remember being in the locker room after that game and, uh, guys are devastated, devastated. Mm-hmm. Guys mm-hmm. are like in tears. Guys are sobbing. And I'm in the back there. I'm like, I'm, I'm all sad. I'm all teary eyed and stuff. And I'll, again, these little anecdotal moments, mm-hmm. I'll never forget. Rich Chambers comes into the, to the, to the locker room and he's, you know, he's cussing up a storm. Mm-hmm. He's like, you, you MFers. I don't ever, I'll never forget. He says, you guys don't deserve to cry. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you crying? Like, did you guys compete like to, to the highest degree as hard as you can? Did you guys take, whoever that first opponent was, do you guys take them for granted? Like, do you guys really deserve to be in the position to be so upset with yourself as if you put in all of the effort you, you, you prepared properly, mm-hmm. you took everybody seriously when you were playing. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that as he was saying it, I was like, Hey man, he's, he's, you know, in between years, or sorry, in between tears and boogers going everywhere. I was still upset, but I was like, man, yeah. he's right. Like, we we like we feel sorry for ourselves now because we put ourselves in that position. And I said to myself, we're not doing this again next year. Mm-hmm. We're not doing this again next year. Next year, A, we're winning the Fraser Valleys. And then B, next year, we're winning the BCs. And then that was it. And that was just understood um going into uh going into that off season. Mm-hmm. And I remember that off season. So after that little episode where he said, hey, you guys don't deserve to cry. This is the end of our grade, uh, grade 11 year. Unfortunately for the grade 12s, that was the end of their high school career. Some The end of their basketball careers for some of them. Yeah. I remember that next morning, 6.15, I was at Terry Fox. And I was in the weight room. Because, I, again, I need to get stronger. Mm-hmm. And I just, I worked out. And that was when I really, really started taking, like, lifting weights and training, like, very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, you know. 180 pounds when I, when I graduated high school, but I remember, uh, coach Van Oss after a few months, he's like, Hey, M, you got, you got muscles in your eyebrows. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, cool. Thanks. But I think that was his way of being like, Hey, like, I see you. Yeah. Like you're working out, you're doing what, you know, what we're, what we're asking. 
mm-hmm. you're taking this seriously and you know we're we're gonna be prepared when you know when our number is called mm-hmm. and when it and when it's time um so that off season was it was a serious serious off season now again this is before club basketball there's no aau there's nothing it's just like if you got the homies you call each other up on your yep. house phone right <laughs> hey can i speak with can I, hey, hey is taylor there can i speak yeah, with taylor two lines or one line Right, you know, you we had uh, we had one phone number. Yeah, yeah I never got the call waiting, man. My parents always, and then they would complain about the phone ringing all day. I'm like, well, when I'm talking to one right. person, someone's getting a busy signal, and right. then someone's getting another busy. Like, we can get two lines. They're like, we're not paying for that. Yeah, all right. No, I think we ended up getting we ended up getting the call waiting at some point. Mm-hmm. But um, that's how it was. If you wanted to get better, you have to call up the homies. Be like, hey, we're gonna meet here or meet there. So that summer, I mean, even from the first day that Taylor and I met back in grade nine. Like either like every weekend or at least even during the uh, the school week, three or four times a week, he would either come to my place and we would go to George Perks and we would shoot hoops or we would stay uh, stay late at Fox and, and get some shots up. Or I would just hop on the bus. I think it was like the 169 bus from Coquitlam Center and I would go straight to New West Station, stop at New West Station or Columbia. And I would walk up the hill to his house because he lived in New West. Yeah. And we would go shoot hoops for literally hours. Mm-hmm. Until until the lights came on over at uh, at Queens Park. Yes, sir. That's literally how I got better at basketball um, throughout high school. It's just mm-hmm. that Taylor and I would be training, playing. We would do all the hoop it ups. Like we went on a serious hoop it up run every summer. We'd be playing three on three. Myself, Taylor, and uh, and James White, and uh, that's literally just how we got better. But um, and that and and we we sustained that pretty much all through all through high school. Mm-hmm. Um. So going into grade 12, we we knew we had a you know an opportunity to to make some noise, at least in the Fraser Valley, but we were also thinking like we are going to win the BCs. Uh so going into that summer, that was so going into our grade 12 year, that's when the the, the new Terry Fox had opened. So we were gonna be the first uh graduating group from the new building, uh, uh of the new campus. Mm-hmm. So I remember that summer when we had team camp and we had all of these teams that we ended up competing with. Uh, several times in tournaments at the Legal Beagle, at the BCs, at Fraser Valley. Uh, Carson Graham was there, Pitt Meadows, Maple Ridge, uh, you know, all the all the usual suspects that we had serious rivalries and, and competitive games with. Um, they were there during the during the team camp. And I remember uh, Brent Charlton, who's to this day is one of my one of my dearest friends. Shout out to Brent, who was uh, retired as the SFU's all time leading scorer. Yes, sir. But but Recent in grade basketball, 10, 11, BC Hall of Fame, I believe. Hall yep. of Famer. So you got you to put the shoe Hall of Fame. Tight. Then, uh, shoe game is tight. You know, this shoe game is actually immaculate. I think it's, it's always BC. been a competition. Yeah. Oh yeah, Brent Charlton. He's uh, he's a fantastic dude. He's one of my, one like of my he, favorite guys. I feel like he's leaning in on that Fred Winters plug, though. You know, don't be so selfish, <laughs> man. There's like there's a dude in South Van who needs some size 13s, boys. Come on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff, look, you know, come on. <laughs> you can you can give him a call for this sidebar, but yeah. um, yeah. But no, even you the story I'm telling, even the story I'm telling is, is still a bit of a sidebar itself. But it was it was team camp, and uh, it was it was held at you know at Terry Fox at the new campus at the new in our brand new gym, and um, I had my sights set on top camper. That was what I wanted. I'm not sure if I got it. I think I might have, but I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I was competing at a very very high level all week. And, uh, you know, you have like the one-on-one ladder throughout the week. So I made it to the one-on-one finals. Keep in mind, Don Vanoss, Rich Chambers, my coaches, the coaches who coach me, yeah. are running the camp. 
right? Yeah. And it's at yeah. Terry Fox. I didn't need, you know, home cooking or like, you know, like a home bias. I just thought that, you know, if we're here at Terry Fox, you know, things might swing in my favor. So we're playing this one-on-one game and uh, it's a tie game. Again, I will never forget this. Brent and I talk about this because I tell him he owes me a pair of shoes. So during that one-on-one game, he has the ball and uh, he says, okay, check it out. So he passed it to me. I check it out, right? I pass it back to him. And then uh, Coach Coach Van Oss was like, he blows a whistle or he says something. Brent completely ignores it. He sweeps right past me because I'm like, uh, yeah, Coach. He sweeps the ball, goes past me. Boom, two-hand dunk, game. And I'm just like, bro, what are we doing? Like, the, he just called it. He blew the whistle. And Brent's like, I don't care. I don't care. It's game, man. It's game. And Rich, <laughs> sorry, Rich Chambers and, and, and Van Oss were like, yeah, I guess so. And they gave him like the one-on-one championship. I was, can I say pissed? I was. Yeah, no home cooking was, for you, dog. Bro, I was, I was pissed. But what that told me, again, like, I honestly feel like there's, 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 there's little lessons in, in everything. Mm-hmm. For me, at the time, I was thinking, yeah, I wanted, the, I wanted that, 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 uh, that trophy, which was, you know, the shoes. I wanted those shoes because that said, hey, you are the, you're the top one-on-one player. You're the best, I use that term loosely, but you're the best one-on-one player at this camp at this time. Yep. Right? I wanted that, uh, that recognition. But then I also started thinking about, you know, later on, I, I still want the shoes from Brent, but I was thinking, like, coach, those coaches really emphasize big picture, right? This is summertime, yeah. right? Yeah. You do want to get yeah. better in the summer. Yeah. And that's how you sort of, you know, cut your teeth and, you know, and, and, and sharpen your skills. But like our team goal, this is called team camp. This is not called Emmy camp. This is not called one on one camp. This is team camp, right? We want to get better as a team. If you get the one on one championship, great. Here. Here's your shoes. Congratulations. Like, what do you want? You want a pair of shoes or do you want to go in the BCs? Like, which one is it? You know? So it's sort of put things in perspective after, you know, because it's like, yeah, that would have been great, but our eye is on always on a on a bigger prize. That's like the Terry Fox, you know, the Terry Fox way. So I learned that the hard way. I was still upset about it, but you know, there's 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 other there's other goals that we set as a team which are way more important than a than a one-on-one championship. Like it was no question that I was competitive. And there was no question that those coaches were were happy with my efforts and you know what you know what I brought to the to the camp and what I brought to the team. And I think it took me uh, it took me a few days, but I realized that they were they were happy with you know with my trajectory in terms of the type of competitor that I was and like how focused I was on 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 winning the the BCs that year. Yeah, of course, man. And they saw your motor. I mean, anybody that saw you play, it was like never ending right <laughs> fitness was never yeah. an issue effort was never an issue like you know guarding just taking care of all the tangibles was never an issue with you and they knew that um and then it's true you're like 16 years old right it's like you kind of get caught up in this thing where you think like all-stars and mvps matter but in a game like basketball if you don't have 10 or 12 other dudes there to support you that doesn't mean much right like it's but it's hard at that age to really grasp that because we're you know, when we're 16, 17, we're not intentionally, but we are kind of selfish. There's a lot about us, right? Because we're dealing with so many other things. So, right. And how good was that team camp too? Is like, they go those guys, Goulet, they were ahead of their times in terms of putting all that together. Yeah. I was kind of just snickering. You were talking about um, like spring leagues and things like that and, and kind of club, which is, it's good. Um, but like, we don't even do spring league anymore with our guys because 
I'd say a third of our guys do track and field, which is amazing. Want them to do that. Uh, we have rugby sevens now. So a couple of kids will play rugby, which is great too. I want them to play other sports. And then all our Hooper kids, the minute basketball season's over, they're playing with their club. So we'd be driving all the way out to Heritage Woods or Fox and we'd have like four guys. So I'm pulling yeah, like grade eights. I'm like tapping kids on the shoulder to come play. And I was like, this is just not worth it. Like they're just almost too busy, right? Whereas that that purity of hopping on the bus or I'll meet you at the rec center or let's go to the the night court and shoot. That purity is getting lost a little bit without sounding like a real old head. I feel like just that everything is very structured and sort of let's put on the jerseys. Now, maybe not that structured when they start playing, but the purity of what basketball can bring, right? And those moments and memories, which you've touched on a few times. Um, just wish more of those kids would have that. Also, rambling after my coffee, but like a safer world. And, you know, like, I mean, our parents were like, come home when you're hungry, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Whereas oh. now it's like tracking on the iPhone. Where are you? Text me when you get there. Like, so that's a whole a, other podcast. A, yeah, no, for sure. It's a totally different way of, 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 uh, of growing up. There's no real, Hey, let's just go play outside. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, growing up during those times, like I said, grow, growing up in Vancouver, like you were like your, your buddy's parents were your parents. Like they saw yeah, you messing facts, around. Facts. Like if you were outside yeah. when you should be, Hey, Amy, it's, it's time for you to go home. Like your mom just called me like, get home. Like, Oh, shoot, my bad. You know? So yeah. there was that like sort of like community. Accountability. Like, yo, you got to go home. You've been here all day, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like get yeah. out of my house. Like your mom is calling you. It's time to eat. Right. But yeah, those parents <laughs> were almost like secondary parents to to mine. Right. In a sense. And he had sort of like the same respect and reverence for those cousins and buddies and uncles and aunties uh, who sort of, you know, it was their responsibility to to take care of you. And it was unspoken, but it was like, it really was a community. Yeah. But um, like you said, like the whole landscape of, of high school basketball has completely changed. Like there's no, there's no denying that. Sure. Um, like back in the day, it was like high school was like the pinnacle of um, like high school competition was like the pinnacle of, of basketball, at least in the, in the province. Right. And mm-hmm. it was at the time, I guess it was just basketball BC, mm-hmm. but you know, now there there's, I mean, I'm sure basketball BC is still doing his thing, but there's hundreds of clubs now, you know, yep. maybe they're not doing their thing. I don't know. I've, I've been out of the loop for a while, but mm-hmm. there's so many different clubs. And again, there's, you know, sometimes you have to really, I think the club system is, is, can be good for some players. Right. In terms of exposure and, you know, the amount of, I mean, I think sometimes they might play too many games, but they do play a lot of games and it does open up some opportunities. But, um, my only concern with like the whole club culture is like the intent of some of the people who are running these clubs, right? Is it to literally just make a dollar off anybody or is it really about developing good basketball players, good young men, good young women. Is it about really like the love of the game and the passion of the game? Or do you just look at that person as like, you know, as a dollar sign, they're going to pay, you know, X amount of money and we're going to play this many games. We're going to go on this circuit. I'm going to tell their parents who might not know that much about basketball that, Oh yeah, this is the div one kid. Like mm-hmm. div one back in the day was not a given, mm-hmm. but now with some clubs, you know, it seems as though they're leading with that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we've sent this person to Div One. We sent this person to Div One. If your kid comes to this program, he or she can be Div One. But it's like, first of all, do people understand how hard it is to play Div One basketball? Like it is extremely like, that, that, 
at a good school, let's say. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. extremely yeah. difficult to be a good player at a reputable uh, Div 1 program, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel, you know, these days, like, staying home and playing for a great program in province isn't like the the attractive choice or the option. It's like, if this coach says he can get me to, to the States or to Div 1, that's where I'm going. And then you might end, end up going there and, you know, they sort of flip the script on you and you're not developing as, as, uh, as well as you should, or you're not really learning the fundamentals on the game. Sometimes it's just run and gun. You just play zone defense all day. You don't know how to guard, you know, your great grandma, you know, and it's shout out to great grandma's a hoop, but I'm just saying some of them might not, but, um, yeah, so that, I think that's just part of the, the culture now and i think now the whole point i'm i'm just saying this as an outsider right i'm not yeah, necessarily no. coaching i'm not i'm not coaching high school basketball anymore yep i'm not coaching club basketball anymore these are just observations that i make um but there are some fantastic club programs out there that are doing the right things uh and doing it the right way i'll give a quick shout out to taylor doing uh rain city basketball yes sir. we can get into that later so yeah we'll, we'll talk about that later but he's doing a fantastic job with that program for sure you're a basketball player out there in the lower mainland or uh, BC in general and you're looking for somewhere to play we have a proud sponsor and that is pgc hoops you can find them at pgchoops.ca and the thing that makes them unique and that we're proud to sponsor them and then be a sponsor of us is it's a true non-profit basketball organization found in the east side of vancouver the mission is cost-effective elite basketball for all. Find the website, take a look, register your kids, register yourself, look for the programs. And if you have any questions, reach out to me and we can contact you with the right people. This is a good program for the right reasons. We appreciate you, PGC Basketball. Yeah, it, it's about relationships and then good intent. I think you're not saying anything that anybody's not already, you know, you're not crossing any lines with that. I think it's, um, are the people who are advertising these clubs, the ones in the gym with the whistle too, you know, you know, if a parent right. asks me, I don't, I don't, I don't put names out there. I just say, is the person who's talking to you about all these things, are they also putting the work in? Are they coaching your son or daughter on the weekends? Are they at the practices? Right. So it's complicated, but there's lots to it. We've never had more people playing the game. Um, but you're right. Once, you know, once money's on the table, it can change some things sometimes and it, and it makes it uncomfortable. Um, you know, think about like your dad, you mentioned, right? Like was just happy to go to games and cheer you on a family yeah. who's just like working hard to scrape by and do their thing. And then some coaches like, Oh, we really think Emmy could like play at blah, blah, blah. And he should da da da. Knowing your parents, your dad would probably have a, more of a brain power to not get caught, but who knows, right? Like, right. oh yeah, let's look at, okay, we're going to ship them off to Indiana and whatever. I don't know. There's a lot to it for sure. Yeah, there is. There is. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it also entails the things like that you get to be a part of, right? Like junior NBA and global basketball. Like the game is so big now. There's so many great things that are they're coming from it, right? Um, and exactly. you're experiencing Absolutely. it on a, on a daily basis. You're experiencing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
going back a bit to, like you said, in terms of like the club basketball, like those team camps and all those other opportunities that uh, like Coach Chambers and Ben Oss and you mentioned uh, Coach Goulet, rest in peace. Um, those guys were, I mean, for the most part, they were, they were volunteering their time, right? They just yeah. love being in the gym. They love seeing guys get better. And they had like the formula. They had whatever it is. They had it, mm-hmm. right? And they were able to to relay that message, that attitude, that approach, that that passion for preparation and and getting better and being a good teammate onto guys like myself, Taylor, Dean Whalen, Steve Crump, you no know, Brody Anderson, all those guys. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's rare that you that uh, that you see those uh, types of coaches and programs these days. So. And we're talking I feel like, very, very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. A, imagine like an out of town team, like maybe there's Vernon or someone had a solid program and some coaches bring down the 15 van and sleeping in a classroom with these kids for a week, you know, like yeah. in the middle yeah. of summer, sleeping in Goulet's French classroom with the tables against the walls and like sleep, yeah. sh- you know, showering in the PE change rooms and just giving up a week away from family and friends is just different. Now, another issue is like now you need a stack of liability papers just to friggin drive a kid somewhere, which is also kind of messed yeah. up too. Right. So. Yeah. I feel you on that. Definitely. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Okay. So like jump over to like SFU, the ball continues. I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about 2000 or what the memories are there, we but could, uh, we can, we can talk about it very, very quickly. <laughs> uh, the thing is that game, it's not that it haunts me mm. because I don't think it haunts me. I think I grew a lot from that game. Of course. Uh, I learned a lot of I learned a lot of lessons that game. Um, for those who don't know what we're talking about, we lost in the in the BCs to Pitt Meadows, and the score was seventy four to sixty eight. If you want to look it up, I guarantee you I'm right. Um, and it was in overtime. Um, the reason I, rem- I again I don't I'll, I'll never forget that score. Um, just because it's I mean if I could again if I could go back I wouldn't change anything but mm. like. That's one game that I really, really wanted to win, right? That's the goal that we set out from grade 10 after not, uh, after being told that we're not taking the, the invite to go to the grade 10 BCs. And then, you know, the disappointment in grade 11. So by the time we got to grade 12, we were literally one game short. And speaking of that rivalry with, uh, Pitt Meadows, we actually beat them, you know, two weeks prior in the Fraser Valley final. Mm-hmm. So we were the Fraser Valley champs that year. And, um, we played them a total of seven times in that school year. And we won four of them, right? But we lost the one that really, truly mattered the most. And um, yeah, that was a very, very competitive game. It was an amazing game. I was extremely nervous before the game. Um, and I just remember thinking, I'm like, dang, like this is this is really it. Like if we win this game, then our 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 Terry Fox group, like we're again, we're not the back-to-back Terry Fox teams, but uh-huh. We're sort of in the conversation as one of those better Terry Fox teams uh, historically, right? Sure. You know, growing up in grade nine and 10, like, you know, Coach Van Oss would talk about uh, like Vic Rigor, those type of guys. Uh, obviously, he talked about Terry Fox. He talked about, you know, Dave Morgan and his crew and uh, Brett Anderson and that group that, you know, that that went back to back. And we just really wanted to be somewhat close to that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that game, if we got that final game, that sort of would have put us uh, in the conversation. Like we, we'd be in the discussion, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not the greatest Terry Fox team of all time, but we would still be, you know, we'd be in discussion. So not winning that game and coming that close, it still, it still kind of hurts, uh, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish we could have had that game. But like I said, you know, I learned a lot from that game. That game went into overtime. And I think what I learned from that game is uh, Aaron Christensen, uh, who ended up being my roommate for two years at SFU when we were teammates for, for five years. Yeah. Um, he was the MVP that year and he had fouled out, uh, with about four and a half minutes left in that game. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were up, I think about eight, seven or eight points. Um, so, you know, we were getting close to the finish line and, uh, I don't want to say that guy sort of took their foot off the gas, but like the second that he went out of the, the game, when he fouled out, um, like that Pitt Meadows team, like yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, it is hard not to because well, Aaron think, was such okay, a like, big uh, part of that team too, right? I mean, he was such a good player, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, he was. He yeah. was the best player on that team. But they had, they had guys on that team that truly knew their role. Like they, they, they. Uh, that team was was tailored around Aaron Christensen and his leadership and his skill set. But they had uh, their guard, uh, their point guard Brian Robinson. He was a fantastic player. Um, we talked about Mike Elaine earlier. He was like, he was, I thought he was way more skilled than people who actually gave him credit for. Mm-hmm. And he was literally one of the strongest people I'd ever played against at, at that age. Um, they had a big guy, Shane Cool, and uh, another guy, Mark Ardron. And they had like a really good group of guys around Aaron. So I think in our mind, even subconsciously, we thought, okay, we kind of slayed the dragon. Aaron is out. It's time for us to, you know, take this thing home. Yeah. So instead of like really doubling down and, you know, truly going after it. I just think subconsciously because physically I think we were still giving our best effort, but mm-hmm. we sort of just felt that, okay, like we're so close to the goal. We're so close to the finish line, you know, three or four, four more minutes, but uh, you know, they went on a, on a serious run and they ended up tying it at the end. Um, we had a chance to win it. Uh, Dean Whalen had a pretty clean look uh, from about 15. And that is like his bread and butter. Like, you know, Dean Whalen went on to play uh, university of Alberta He's one of the best shooters. Like him and Taylor were literally two of the best shooters, not that I've just played with, but I've ever been around. Um, And unfortunately, he missed that. uh, It was a gimme. Like those those 15 to 18 foot jumpers were were layups for him. But, you know, it sort of rimmed out. We took it to overtime, which is not what we wanted to do. But, um, yeah, they were able to, to pull ahead and they ended up winning by six points, unfortunately. And the worst thing about that, aside from losing the game, is you know how they do. Like if you lose that game, you got to stick around. <laughs> you yeah, can't man. just get up and go. You got to stick around. You got to watch the the whole ceremony. All star million teams, dollars, like yeah, yeah the all star team, all of that for a million dollars. I couldn't tell you where that second place uh, medal is. Yeah. I think I gave it to my mom <laughs> in tears, and she's like, "Oh, I'll save this for you." I was like, "No, I I haven't seen it." And um, yeah, that was a bit of a tough experience. But then again, you know, it's sort of. It drives you, man, because like, okay, if we didn't get this one, then I got to get the next one. And and if I can't get that one, then I got to get the next one. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I knew early on, even that around that time, like I would apply all these sports lessons to, to life, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure we'll get into it pretty soon, but even just moving out here to the desert, there was a lot of uncertainty. You know, you take a few L's here and there, but like taking that L is, is not the end of, it's not the end, right? No. You 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 rally you rally around that, and you you prepare for the for the for the next opportunity, you know. So, 
anyways, yeah, that game was tough. We ended up losing that game. Um, and that was, yeah, that was the end of my, my high school career. I said, had a little moment of silence there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, no, I dog. I was on the third, I was on the back, I was grade 12 on the back-to-back, man. We lost first round, you know? Like, life's a trip, you know? Yeah, Pete Morgan breaks his foot, Ben Simmons has mono. Right. They box and one me, we lose first round, There's there goes the three-peat, you know? And then we just murder yeah. three teams, we go three and one at the BCs, right? So it's like, yeah, it feels like it at the time, but you're right. When you when you, If you don't use those things as opportunities to learn and grow, well, then you're doing it for the wrong reason, right? If you... Exactly. You know, it, yeah. Same with the victories, but the losses too. Like, yeah, yeah. You talked about it many yeah. times. Yeah, man. And then look, yeah. I mean, just look how funny it is. Like, next thing you know, Aaron's your roommate. Like, you know, it's and, just I, not not funny. sorry, not to cut you off. Not just no. not just Aaron. Yeah. But also Brent Charlton. Brent, yeah. He still owes me a pair of shoes. Like, he was. Uh, we came in so me. Like I ain't Aaron grabbing and, either uh, of you any rebounds until yeah. y'all. Yeah. You know. We gotta sort this out, man. <laughs> Um, so I actually ended up being roommates with Brent Charlton our third year. Um, and then Aaron, he and I lived together for two years, our first, uh, our second and third year up in the townhouses. So it's funny how that all kind of came full circle. It was really, sure. yeah, yeah. And those are, I mean, those are still my guys to this day. Yeah, man. But, uh, yeah. And talk about those um, times up at SFU on the Hill, right? Like, um, playing, playing hoop and, uh, you know, looking, <laughs> looking at that one roster you guys had, I was like, damn, like you had Posh. You had Cliff. Um, yeah, we had Jordan yeah, Mason. Mace. Uh, Aaron Brent, Christensen. Uh, Brent Charlton. Yeah, yeah man. John Botang. Oh, yeah. Um, too. Sean Halverson. Uh, Pete Morgan. Pete Morgan was my uh, teammate as was well. Was he your senior? Yep. Yeah. My first year. I'm not That's sure if we played two years together, but we definitely played uh, the first year. And it's so funny, too, because, like, when I think back on it now, like, I was 17. Yeah. Right? You think but he's just Pete, this old he was dog. Like, yeah, he was like a grown man, but he was like 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was true. a kid, but like yeah. in my mind, yeah. I just felt like he was just like a grown, mature, like an elder almost. Not saying that he was old. I just remember no, just no, being no. like, man, like he's one of the OGs. But he was like, he was like a 21, 22-year-old kid. But um, yeah. yeah, it's funny how I ended up at SFU. Um, we got time for the story? 100%. Okay, Um so, I mean, the people who are really, really close to me, uh, sort of, they've heard this story. I'm sure my sister will be like, oh, I can't believe you told the story again. But um, sorry, sis. I was actually, yeah, I was not recruited by anybody. So a lot of people kind of take credit for how I ended up at SFU, but I was not recruited to play basketball by not one single coach. And this is after going to the BCs. During those BCs, I think I averaged like maybe like 13, 14 a game, something like that. You know, some putbacks and, you know, mini jumpers, that sort of thing. I probably averaged about, no word of a lie, probably like 16, 17 rebounds. I was just killing it four or five blocks a game. And then not one team, um, like Douglas College, Quatlin at the time, nobody said, hey, we want you to come play. But like everybody else on my team, they were all getting like multiple offers, like Steve, Taylor, yeah. Dean Whalen, Carl Rowinski, um, and a few other guys. And I was just like, are these, like, am I really? And it sort of took me back to grade 10. Remember the story I told you when I was in grade 10? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, you, 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 and you, we want you to come up and play senior. And I was just like, okay, cool. I said, okay, if this is how it's going to be, I'm going to figure this out. Because 
I am a college level or university level basketball player. I just felt that in my in my heart and in my mind. And I felt that I put in the work to at least be recruited by by somebody, you know, mm-hmm. anybody. But like no one came. So the funny part about that is my grade 12 year, I actually decided to play football. Right. So I played football for Terry Fox as well. And the reason I played my grade 12 year is because in grade 11, like I went to training camp in the summer. I lasted like one day. I got hit too hard. I was like, this is not for me. Took off the pads. I'm like, I'm done. Uh, I'm not a football player. <laughs> um, but at the end of grade 11, I went back to the football team and they, they allowed me to come back because I just honestly just wanted to know what it felt like to score a touchdown. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I just had that, that itch. I'm like, man, I wonder what it feels like to score a touchdown. If I score a touchdown, like, do I have like a touchdown celebration? So I went back and, uh, coach McDonald allowed me to come back to the team. So I played the last two games. Of course of he season. did. Yeah. So we played one game. We were at North Delta and I remember going out there. I didn't know football. I don't know the rules. I didn't really know much about it. I just, they put me at wide receiver. They're like, Hey, these are, this is like the pattern tree. This is the post. This is a, a, a go route. This is a, a slant, whatever. And it's all, you know, by numbers, run a three, run a seven, run a nine, catch the ball. I said, cool. So I don't know if you remember, I think at the time our quarterback was uh Morgan, Morgan Crowley. He played basketball too. Okay. And, uh, we were playing at North Delta and I ran like a long pattern, like, I don't know, like a 25 yard 30. And it was just a bomb. And I got past the DB and the ball's coming. I turned to catch it and the ball went right through both of my hands. I was like, damn. And it was like, it was like wide open. I was like, Oh shoot, that's embarrassing. So they pulled me out. Uh, two games later and it was the last game of the season. The same thing happened, right? I was running down. I think maybe I got nervous or whatever. Ran straight past the DB. I'm like, okay, it's time to score a touchdown. I'm going to know what it feels like. And I completely missed it, like just right through my hands. And I'm like, I, I can catch. I catch it. Like, I know how to catch. So after that grade 11 experience, I'm like, you know what? I have to play grade 12 football. That, because I don't want these coaches and these players thinking that Emmy can't catch. Yes. So I'm going to go next year. I'm going to play football. And when football finishes, I'm going to join basketball. So, um, I remember I went to the summer practice. I got, I got hit hard and I was like, nope, I got, I gotta, I gotta get past that, get past that, you know, that real, you know, those type of football guys who just love just smashing their, like, oh, that was just not me. I just wanted to score some touchdowns, get a few nice catches and then let the, let the linebackers do their thing, let the running backs do their thing. I just want to score some touchdowns. So during that summer, we had a couple, uh, like, uh, scrimmages like uh, in team scrimmages and had, you know, I scored a couple of touchdowns like in the scrimmages at Terry Fox field, but I'm like, okay, this is cool, but it's not the same. I got to score a touchdown in, in the game. Yeah. So sorry, this is a long way of telling you why I was recruited or not recruited to play basketball at any school. Um, so that first game, we go over to town center and we play pine tree. The first play of the season was that exact same play. I ran a post and I caught the ball. First catch, first play. It was like a 60 something yard touchdown. And that was the beginning of my like pretty successful <laughs> one year of senior boys uh, football. I ended up leading the province in in yards. I think I ended up leaving the leading the province in uh, in touchdowns. And I think I had like a like fifty or sixty percent like touchdown to catch rate uh, ratio. Ratio. So like every <laughs> yeah. So like every second catch uh, I had was, was a touchdown. touchdown. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I would have to go back and check. This is back in the day with the VHS, but I think I ended up having like 
I don't know, like 16 or 17, 18 touchdowns that year. And I was recognized uh, like on the provincial team. So I got invited to like the senior bowl, like the East West senior bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I was on like senior bowl, like the BC team. I went to Winnipeg to compete in like some championship and there was an all-star team, which we played at UBC. And I was like the offensive MVP. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, cool. This is, this is great. But I think that's kind of what hurt my recruitment process for, for basketball, because all these coaches all of a sudden thought that I was a football player, but in my mind, I'm like, no, 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 guys, like, don't, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm a hooper. Like I want, I want to play basketball. Yeah. But I was getting, I was getting recruited by SFU heavy for, for football and football mm-hmm. only. And I was recruited by, um, a couple schools in the States. There wasn't like full, full ride offers, like half scholarships. Um, and it was actually a couple of like half scholarship, like division one offers. And I was just kind of like, okay, this is cool. But I mean, a half scholarship still means you still got to pay half. That's yeah. a lot of money. I ain't trying to do that. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, how have I convinced all these guys that like, A, that I really love football, because I didn't really love it, and yeah. B, that I'm actually as good as they're telling me that I am. Like, this, none of this made any sense. I just want to hoop. Um, so I was getting recruited by Ottawa, McGill, every Canadian user, university to play football, but I really wanted to stay home and play basketball or go anywhere and play basketball. So it's two. So I was literally one day away from signing uh, my letter of intent or my scholarship offer with UBC for football, for football only. So I got to that point where I was convinced that, okay, basketball might not be, I might not get recruited to play, but I'm going to end up playing basketball for somebody somehow mm-hmm. because I felt that, okay, if I, if I accept the college offer, sorry, if I accept this uh, scholarship offer to go to UBC, then I can, you know, go to like an open trial for basketball and just sort of swindle my way into the basketball team, just like I did in grade 10, just like mm-hmm. I've done before. Right. Yeah. I just, if someone sort of cracks the door open, I'll, I'll kick it, I'll kick it open and I'll, I'll you know, I'll be there and I'll, I'll do what I need to do. Right. I'm yeah. going to make it very difficult for them to be like, Hey, you're not supposed to be here. So yeah. I remember the, uh, the starting quarterback for UBC, they took me to a Vancouver Grizzlies game against the Orlando Magic, a sap courtside. And that was like my little recruiting visit. So after that, I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like you can take me to a basketball game. You guys have done your research. Great. I'm going to sign. I verbally committed to UBC. So I went home that night, ended up getting a call from uh, the SFU football coach. And he's like, hey, I've heard that uh, you're planning on going to, to UBC. I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, the, the best opportunity for me, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for the offer. He's like, well, if I talked with uh, Scott Clark, who was the, my coach at SFU, like if I have a word with Scott Clark, and he uh, he gives you a spot on the basketball team. Would you consider coming to SFU playing football and basketball? I said, if you do that for me, I will come. The next day, Scott Clark calls me on the phone. He's like, hey, and Scott Clark has known me since grade nine. So I was kind of pissed yeah. off. I'm like, bro, like, you've known me since I was like 14. Like, how have you not recruited me to come play? But, you know, Scott Clark sounds like, hey, hey, I'm, uh, he used to call me Manny. Hey, 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 Manny. Uh, I heard that you're going to be coming to SFU to play football and this and this and that. I said, well, no, I'm actually on my way to UBC uh, to play football. He's like, well, if you change your mind and you ended up coming to, to SFU, there's a, I got a jersey for you. I said, really? He's like, yeah, he's like, I got a jersey for me. I said, okay, cool. He sent the scholarship offer like a few hours later. I signed it. And that's how I ended up being a basketball player at SFU. 
sorry for the long story, but that's that's exactly what happened. And I was just like, I was supposed to play college basketball. Yeah, um, yeah. it wasn't. I mean, I, I I appreciated the the opportunity to play college football and have have scholarship, you know, in school for paid sure. for and all that sort of stuff. I ended up playing three years uh, of both. Right, I played football and basketball for three seasons until I broke my knee. We can get into that later too. Um, but um, yeah, when my football career ended after my third year, it was funny too because I was getting a little bit of interest from some CFL teams. Mm-hmm. So there were some there were some scouts from Hamilton uh, that were coming to the practices because I think after your third year, you're eligible for the for the Canadian CFL draft. Okay. So some of those teams were coming out. Saskatchewan was coming out. Uh, had some conversations with uh, some of the BC Lions representatives, and I was just like, "Bill, do you guys really think I'm like football, <laughs> like a real football player?" Because like I wasn't really built. I wasn't really built and bred like some of those, you know, those real yeah, those football players who live and yeah. breathe third. Like, those live and breathe third down. Like that's yeah, everything yeah. to them. It just wasn't for me. I just wanted to score some touchdowns. And then just chill, and yeah. hopefully we win the game. You know, um, yeah. Don't so, even think I mean, about putting me on the other side of the ball. No, 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 no. But I mean, in high school, I played everything. That's what they would have done too, right? They would evaluate sure. you and like, oh, you're a corner. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you're a you're a you're a defensive end, or you're a you're a tight end mm-hmm. because you're six four, mm-hmm. and you, you know you, you got hands. And we want I mean, you, you to put on thirty change. pounds of muscle. Yeah. Right. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I was not. First of all, I haven't even put on thirty pounds since. Like high school, I'm pretty Only much in your eyebrows, apparently <laughs> just in my <laughs> eyebrows. Exactly. So even putting on 30 pounds wouldn't have been possible playing tight end or defensive end and doing I'm like, no, this is not for me. Like I like, I liked football. I liked certain aspects of football, but no, it was not for me. Basketball is where my heart truly was and, and is. Um, that's a good story yeah, to share though, man. I know as you thought it was long, but I think like if a young person, cause you know, we had a couple of kids. We got one kid who's going to UNBC this year to play, and we had a, our point guards um, going to a prep. But I know it was frustrating for him in terms of recruitment. And I was kind of like, and no knock on anyone, but I find it weird. I find the recruiting process weird, and I don't understand why coaches just don't commit. Like when you see someone who loves a sport like the way our point guard does, or you love basketball, is like, and they're a good person, they're good academically. Like they're not going to be a concern. You know, you ask their coaches, oh, he's a good teammate. Like I don't know. So it's good for people to hear that. You know, it's not a, you know, if it's not division one, it's probably a pretty rough process because you're almost right. selling yourself more than you need to, but that's just how it is. And you got to keep sticking yeah. to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was actually happy that SFU had recruited me, even though it was kind of like a, a secondhand recruiting process, but I was cool with it. I'm over yeah. it. Um, but what it wife- means is though, but it doesn't mean like he's not taking that Clark's not taking that phone call from just the football guy. The first call right. he's making is to Rich and Don, right? And he's going, "Hey, I've seen them. Tell me." And they're 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 putting their name on the line for you, right? So it, you know, it's not like it's like, oh, "Okay, we'll do this and we can get him." It's like someone out there had to validate to get you there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. 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 And I definitely appreciate you know just how they prepared me for a not just playing at SFU, but also for that for that recruitment process, how it all went. Right. Yeah. It didn't go the way that I it's not that I anticipated, but it's just it didn't go the way that, you know, when it started happening, how Mm -hmm. I how I would have preferred. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't need people saying, hey, we love you. Just stroking your ego. I didn't need any of that. I just thought that I had 
I thought that I was a college basketball player and I thought yeah. that coaches would have yeah. recognized that. But even if they didn't, you know, that's still like I played, I mean, you, you know how I played. I just played with the chip on my shoulder <laughs> at all times because I always just thought, I'm like, there is going to be, even if it's one person that says, okay, yeah, he's, he's okay, but nah, whatever. Like I didn't want to be that afterthought or that whatever player. I always felt that at any level that I played at, I deserve to play at that level, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. because I put in, you know, I put in the the work to play at that level. And I thought I actually had the skills and the, and the, you know, the tangibles and intangibles to play at that level, but not every, no, not everyone recognizes that and, and it's fine. But, mm-hmm. and again, for me, it's not the end of the world. I just felt, okay, if you don't see it now, you'll eventually see it. And I was cool with that. You know? mm-hmm. I just wanted the opportunity. So when that opportunity came to attend SFU, and be on that campus and be part of the basketball team. I just said, okay, the rest will sort of take care of itself. And then, you know, again, like you said, we had great teams there. We didn't have as much uh, team success as I hoped that we would. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the guys that I played with there, you know, I talked about Aaron. I talked about Brent, especially, and guys like uh, John, John Boateng. Like, literally, my, my best friends to this day. Like, when I'm back home in Vancouver, our kids play together. Yeah. Uh, we chat every so often. And um, these are like lifelong friends. And I, I learned so much from these guys um, during my SFU time as well. Mm-hmm. I learned from them as they all became, you know, husbands and fathers before I did. Uh, and I used to watch them from afar and just sort of see how they operate, how they how they treat their 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 partners, their wives, their families, how they treat their kids and those sort of things. And I'm like, these are some like life skills and life lessons that even as 18, 19 year old teammates, like John put me on game back in the day. Like he was older than me and mm-hmm. he would literally teach me like everything. We were mm-hmm. roommates and we were, we were teammates and he was, you know, a year and a bit older than me, but I'm like, I learned so much from him in terms of how to prepare, how to, how to approach the game. He showed me a different level of, uh, of competing. Um, he and I would on the weekends, you know, at, back in the day when we played, uh, it was CIS. I think it was CIS at the time. Yep. Yep. CIS, CIS at the time. We'd play Friday, Saturday. Uh, he and I would be in the gym Sundays, every Sunday, right? You know, Saturday night after the game, win or lose, you'd, you know, have a few beers here and there, uh, mm-hmm. you'd party a bit, you know, on campus. But every Sunday, regardless, we would be in the gym mm-hmm. and we would, we would train. We had our own little routine. We had like a little dunk routine and we had our little routine where we would get up shots about, you know, four or 500 shots and we would play one on one or we would play two on two against whoever was in the gym. So mm-hmm. like for us, and then we would work on our skills during the week and also um, academically, like he was also very, very bright academically. So I mm-hmm. learned how to prepare um, academically because, you know, my first semester was a freaking disaster. I was on ac- academic probation. I had no real guidance. I took a, I think I took a math course my first year and I was not a math guy. Um, so I didn't really have any true oh. guidance in terms of, of, in terms of like more course selection. So I was on academic probation my first year and I was just like scared to death. I'm like, am I really going to flunk out? But, uh, you know, I relied on guys like you know, John and some of the older guys uh, just to sort of help me navigate how to study, how, mm-hmm. to, how to how to organize my time, time management, those things. And then every semester from the day I started at SFU, my GPA went up every single semester. Mm-hmm. And I think I ended up with like a 3.8 by the time I was, you know, by the time I was done. But um, yeah, I just I just remember... You know, thinking back now, like 
again, we didn't have the sort of team success like on the floor. Like we actually never qualified for for nationals. We never went to the nationals. Yeah. And we had like, like with Pastor Baines, we used to say that we were like, like he was Kobe and we were the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And we had we had the players, we had the personnel, but we just couldn't put it together as a as a team for whatever reason. But um, in spite of all the the team success that we didn't achieve, again, like these are lifelong friends, lifelong. Uh, you know, like brothers that I, that I could call today, even if we didn't, you know, we don't talk for months yeah. because we've been through, you know, difficult times together and we've been through challenging times on the court, off the court. Um, you remember in what year was that? That must've been 2002 when, uh, John, John Boateng, he broke his neck. Yeah. Right. On campus. And I remember going to visit him in the hospital the next day. He and I were roommates, mm. uh, when that happened, you know, we threw a party that night. Uh, and there was an accident on like the, hope he doesn't mind me talking about this. I'm sure he's, 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 you know, he's cool with it. Um, he just pretty much fell a flight of stairs and like landed on the top of his head and broke like a couple of vertebrae in his neck. Mm-hmm. And he ended up going to the hospital the next day. Uh, you know, the ambulance came and took him away. So we went to visit him, uh, at the hospital and he was already in like the big, the neck brace and he couldn't move. And I remember seeing him. I completely broke down. I was. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was so upset. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was literally sobbing, you know, like trying to hold him and stuff. He's like, bro. He's like, hey, hey. And he like hits me in the chest. He's like, hey, hey cut it out. He's like, like he's like, I'm going to be fine. Right. We got a season to finish. Uh, stay focused. Like, if you need anything to play for, play for me. I'm going to be fine. You guys got it. And I was just like, bro, what? Mm-hmm. No, it's not fine. Your neck is broken. Yeah, like yeah. You want me to go? You want me to go hoop? Like, how can you actually have this glass half full attitude when you're laying in that hospital bed and we're not sure what this surgery is going to be like the next day? Yeah. Like, is it gonna like how's this gonna affect like your like your day to day going from you know past this you know past this uh, past this surgery? But for him, and again, like I say, you know, I learned a lot of life lessons from these guys. From him, it was like okay. Yeah, a broken neck is an L. It definitely is. But these doctors have said, "Hey, this is the this is the best uh, treatment for it. This is the best best procedure. This is what your your rehab is going to look like. This is what you need to do in order to get back to that level of competitive basketball. If you're willing mm-hmm. to do that, cool." So in his mind, it was it was convinced. Like he he knew what he had to do. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was just like, "How does someone bounce back from that?" But I learned that it's possible to bounce back from that just by observing him and his and his approach and his and his focus and um so watching him go through his rehab it was just like bro like i do not envy that process at all Mm -hmm. um but the ironic part about that is that watching him go through that process and you know what we did as roommates because our who was living with us at the time it was myself uh aaron christian and our big guy's name was mike mike clive so we were literally taking care of taking care of john right like yep. he couldn't take a proper shower, so we had to like draw a bath, like yep. help him into the shower, you know, do all those things, like help him with his books. We used to like link arms, and I would walk him to the to campus because he was wearing like the halo with the, oh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we had that whole that had that whole thing. So the way we rallied around him as teammates, like I said, like on the floor, off the floor, regardless of you know team success, wins or losses, like we had committed to being a team. Right. Yeah. And that applied to all facets of life. So um 
so sorry, I lost my train of thought. What it's all about. Yeah, you know, it is. That is that is what it's all about. And you know, you you don't you don't forget those moments. Like you might forget like the score of a game or if you won this uh, regional game or championship or how many points you scored here and there, but you don't forget those, those moments that really bring you together as, as young men to trying to figure out what life is, you know? For sure. Um, yeah. So I remember a lot of those, those, uh, those really finite or uh, those, those, those details about, you know, a lot of the off the court things that we used to, that we experienced together as, as teammates. No doubt. Um, that's the growth, man. It's true. You're nailing it. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, so I want to touch on a couple of things before we talk about what you're doing these days, and then we'll have some fun questions and tuck you in, man, because no they're going to be knocking on, they're going to be tapping on daddy's <laughs> forehead before you know it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, she definitely will. Yeah. Okay, so the Vancouver, what are they called? It was the Vancouver, it was the BC Titans, Titans. I think BC at the Titans. time, and then... Yeah, I think we changed the Vancouver, or I think we changed it was Vancouver Titans first, and then DC Titans after one of the two. Okay. And then also, yeah, like, what makes you think that you still can step on the court at thirty five and and play some pro ball too? You crazy man! <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Again, like I've always felt that if my mind is okay and if I'm physically healthy, then mm. I can I can play. You know, um, just to sort of. What do you mean by your mind about. is okay? Like, what do you mean by that? Not like if I have like the proper mindset, like I'm, I, I could put in the time to focus, so I can do what it needs sure. to to do in terms of mentally preparing to to play at a high level. Yeah. Then, um, then yeah, then I'm I'm definitely for it. Um, going back a little bit, is that always a big part John, for you? Not to cut you, is that always a big part for you? Sort of just like, or is it because you're like longer in the tooth? You're like. Uh, you know yourself, Emmy, you can't do things half-assed, so you better be ready to like do it or is that's, that kind of, that's yeah. exactly it. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like if I know that I can commit fully yeah. and play at a extremely high level and commit my time, my efforts, my diet, my preparation, my sleep, mm -hmm. uh, because I, I don't know how to do it like halfway, you know, mm -hmm. and I understand what that means for me. And I understand that what that means for you know, people, people around, around you, like if I'm, yeah. yeah, if I'm in that type of mind frame, I'm like, okay, it's time to compete and it's sure. time to play and it's time to prepare. So if I'm willing to put in that work, then sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, but leading up to the Titans, sorry. Um, I'm going to go back just a little bit, just a quick yeah. uh, story in terms of just preparing. Um, the summer after my first year at SFU was um there was the an opportunity for the team BC. So I never played any provincial teams. Oh, U19. So I played on I played the U19. That was the first oh, time yeah. I, I was and I wasn't even invited to that tryout either. It was actually Taylor. He'd called me and I was just finishing like spring for uh uh spring football camp. And he called me, he's like, Hey man, are you coming today? Is it coming or tomorrow? I'm like, coming to what? He's like, bro, like there's the U19 team BC tryouts. I was like, Oh, he's like, it's Canada Games here. I'm like, Oh, really? He's like, bro, you gotta come. And um I said, okay, cool. I'm like, where's the tryouts? He's like, I think it was at Terry Fox because uh, Rich Chambers was the coach. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I think I can make that team. So I just showed up the next day. <laughs> I went to the tryout. I was in good shape at the time. And uh, that summer, I'll finish this story quickly because I know you want to move on. But um, that summer was probably some of the best basketball I've ever played in my life. 
And that summer sort of solidified, not not solidified, but told me that, okay, you know what? I think I'm get a I'm getting better at basketball. And some of the peers that I played with who I sort of, you know, like Brent Charlton's and Aaron Christensen's and, you know, Logan Kitteringham from uh, Walnut Grove, yep. Chris Trumpy, those those guys, uh, Jeremy McCullough, Dean Whalen, uh, Tim Perchick, those are the uh, Chris Porteous. Those are the guys that were on that team. Yeah. And Squad. I, I, I was. Yeah. I, and I was I started on that team. I started that mm-hmm. whole summer. Um, and I was thinking, like, dang, like, I'm I'm, I'm a starter. Because I remember before the first game we played, he's like, okay, it's a starting lineup. You, 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 and uh, Emmy, you're starting at the five. I was just like, oh, dang, like, cool. Like, I, I sort of belong now. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, fast forward, we ended up losing in the, we ended up losing in the, uh, gold medal. the national final to, yeah, the gold medal game to, uh, to Quebec. Um, so, yeah, that one hurt. So I lost, you know, the BCs in one year. And then the following year, I lost the, uh, lost the, uh, the gold medal game. So it was a tough year. Was anybody good on that Quebec team? Must have been some studs. I, I don't remember. Yeah, probably, but I couldn't you tell you any dog, of the names. You old, you sort yeah. of can't remember. No, I don't know. I don't remember. But I do remember. Once uh, again, the Taylor girls will team. know. Yeah, Taylor will know. You can ask him. Yeah. But um, yeah, we we had a serious squad. Yeah, we had a serious squad. Yeah, those are some um, names. Yeah, yeah, those are some serious names. So we were really, really good. And then shout out to uh, I think what two or three guests ago, you had uh, Danny Langford on the on the podcast. Yeah, and she was uh. Their 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 women's team or where we that was U nineteen so I guess we're yep. men and women at that time yeah they uh they won the gold medal uh, in that tournament and their their team was insane they were really really good yeah yeah and they won the gold medal that game they had uh, they had Danny they had Devin Campbell Julie Wilson um and one of the coldest hoopers who was also a uh, hoops journey uh, alumni was uh she was Kim Smith at the time oh yeah I think that's her maiden name she it was, was unreal right. Was, Bad. Oh my goodness. She was so, so good at basketball. I remember watching her play um, during that whole summer. I was like, okay, this girl's serious. And then she ended up, you know, doing her thing. Anyways. Yeah. I'm rambling, I'm rambling a bit, but um, yeah, a lot of good memories from, from, uh, from those times. And then if we fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the Titans, I was teaching at the time. So this is 2009. And I, uh, I was teaching at Queen Elizabeth in, in Surrey. You remember those days? So I was, I was, I was coaching and I was teaching. Um, and I'm not sure what happened. One of my, uh, I was teaching PE at the time. One of my coworkers showed me an email. They're like, Hey, did you hear that? There's a, there's a pro team coming to, to Vancouver or coming to BC. I was like, no. Was, was Brian Tate your principal? No, Brian Tate Tate was, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was my, he was in the PE department. Oh, he was. Okay. So it wasn't admin. I think he, no. So he was the, he was the, uh, department head at the time. I think I taught with him for just one year. That was. Yeah. Oh, I, I went there like 06, the fall of 06 to Queen Elizabeth. And I think yeah. he was gone by 07 or 08, one of the two. But um, yeah, they showed me the email. They're like, yeah, this is the Vancouver Titans. This is the International Basketball League. And there's an open trial. Again, this is the same thing. Like the same theme of my basketball life is just <laughs> if there's an opportunity and I see it, I've never really been invited <laughs> to play on any team that I've actually made and had some type of impact on. But I just feel maybe they just forgot the invite and I'm meant to be there. So they showed me this email and I said, oh, okay, this would be cool to play for. And I noticed that uh, they said that, you know, Rich Chambers is going to be the coach. So I looked at the email. They're like, I said, okay, I think I could play at this level. I hadn't played since uh, I graduated. I finished at SFU in pretty much 05, 06-ish. Um, I was playing men's league at the time, you know, the Surrey, the Guilford men's league. Um, 
So I said, okay, I got about two weeks. Let me get in shape. So I was running like 5K a day um, with because I was teaching PE and we would run like a 5K route. Mm-hmm. So I'll be running with the kids for like two and a half weeks straight. And I was getting on the bike. I wasn't eating trash at all. I was just eating healthy um, and just mentally preparing for this trial. Because I said, okay, when I get to this trial, there's going to be a lot of guys there, you know. And this is, I mean, you can call it semi-pro, but it's still professional basketball. Guys are there to sure. get paid. Yeah. And guys are there to for, you know, for a job. Um, but I said to myself, I don't care who who's coming to this tryout. I'm going there to kill everybody. That was my mindset. So I remember that the tryout was up at SFU and uh, uh, Coach Chambers, he was there running the trial and a few other people um, who were on the coaching staff. I don't really remember who was there, uh, but it was a two-day tryout and I was in impeccable shape. So I just remember just, you know, I shot the ball uh, pretty well. Um, I was rebounding the ball. I was blocking shots, you know, doing what I did at that point. I'm not really that type of player anymore. I don't really go past the three-point line. Now it's just three-pointers all day. Yeah, why But, not? Um, you know, I did what sort of got me to that level for those trials. So, um, yeah, I played well that first year. I was an honorable mention all-star for the IBL. Um, yeah, we didn't, again, we didn't win many games. But um, it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, what was uh, it you know, like? Dave, yeah, it was, it was cool. So I was teaching during the day, and then I would play at night. I was living in Cloverdale at the time, and okay. we would practice at the uh, Legling Event Center. Oh, perfect. So that was our, our practice gym, and that was also our, uh, where we played the games. So it was kind of cool because, you know, they did a whole bunch of promo and marketing and that sort of stuff to really build the league and build some, uh, some excitement out there in the Fraser Valley. So they knew I was a teacher, so... We brought the entire Vancouver Titans team to my to Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. And we played like a little pickup game against some of the kids and we put like a little dunk show. And next thing you know, I'm like, I'm signing autographs for kids in my PE class. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you can get this tomorrow at any time, you know? But <laughs> it was kind of cool just to sort of compete at that level. Um, we had games down in uh Portland, Bellevue, um uh Edmonton. Uh, you know, we put and there were some good players in that in that league, and it was a really fun, fun atmosphere. Just you know, teaching during the day and then playing pro basketball at night and then doing it all over again. So it was a really cool year. Uh, Dave Petrozello was the was the head coach yeah. that first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like playing. I was I really like playing for him. He's a pretty intense coach as well. But uh, I always felt that his his intensity and his uh, his competitive nature was always directed in the right place. I felt that mm-hmm. he, you know, he cared about, he cared about winning, but he also cared about players. So I, I, you know, I really enjoyed playing for him. Uh, the second year we played, uh, I played again and uh, Scott Allen was the coach. We had a bit more success in the wins and losses column. Um, but yeah, we ended up losing, I think in the first or second round of the playoffs, something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. And then the team folded after that. So it was a, it was a cool experience. Uh, to play some to play some pro basketball, and that was yeah. you know 2009 2010 at the time. So yeah, I guess I was I don't know like 26, 27, something like that. Whatever you're doing right now, listening at work, rolling in your whip, walk, going for a walk, whatever it is. Hang on for a sec. You like jerseys? You like stance socks, you like throwback, you like shoes, you like anything related to basketball, hit up ATOB Ball. And if you're not able to be there in store, 
at Langley Event Center. Check them out on the web. And I guarantee you'll find something you like. Give us a mention and you'll never know. Shout out to our boy Jeff, ATOB Ball, for life. It's cool to hear that because, like, um, the CEBL has been such a positive out here in Canada, right? Like, it's been so good and just, um, you know, the Bandits right now, win-loss, they're not probably having the season that they want. And it's probably a super grind to get guys in because a lot of them, it's their off-season and they're looking for bigger contracts or whatever. But just the way, like, I went to the home opener and, man, it was packed. Like, it was packed. Right. Yeah. And they got like a... We've got like an Indo DJ out front and then like um, Demi is doing like dunks and they've got like prizes yeah. and like they're just, it was very well done. Right. And so I think like to think about where that you got, that was kind of like the foundation. Then in, when the conversation came up, it was like, yeah, we got to have a Vancouver franchise. So it's cool, man. Very cool. And, and it's really, really good to see what the CBL is doing, implementing the U sport guys, right. Letting them yeah. get an opportunity, which is cool. So yeah, man, I mean, the games come, you're not old, but the games come a long way in the time, you know. Like seriously, it's <laughs> true, you. man. No, it definitely, uh, it definitely has, and it's cool to see those opportunities for for guys because you know when we when we finished at SFU, it was kind of like you know what's next. Yeah, there's only a, few, a handful of us who were going to go play pro anywhere. Yeah, um, but those those opportunities at home were definitely not there. So it's cool to see that these opportunities are now uh, available for for guys. And speaking of opportunities, like your hoops journey is buck wild. Um, touched on so many different things from like player teacher it's usually teacher coach but um yeah. t- just talk a little bit about your role now and like sorry how that came around how you you know were able to uh, did you show up for something you weren't invited to again if you did then i'm ending the show <laughs> and that's it like yeah <laughs> um yeah so so the role so how i ended up here now I'll, I'll try to give you the quick version but um yeah it is another interesting story so I moved out here to to Abu Dhabi to UAE in 2015 um, after teaching at Queen Elizabeth for for almost 10 years. I was there for nine years. Uh, you know how that long, hey? Yeah, I was there from 06 Please to smoke, 2015 man. at the same school. Maybe you are um, that old. Maybe you are that old. 40. I'm turning 41 in, in December. I don't think it's old, but it's, yeah. I'm 45. That's not old either, man. You're good. <laughs> You're good. Don't worry what they say. You're good. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no worries, man. There's but, a reason um, we're doing the podcast AM my time though, because there's no way I could be up right now, 1040. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Being as gauging as you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get my sleep. I work from home, so I'll 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 get some rest tonight. Hopefully those kids yeah. let me sleep. They're usually pretty good. good. But um uh where was I? We were talking about um You taught for nine, ten years and then you ended up in the desert. Yeah. Yeah, so I ended up at the at the desert. And um the reason I moved out here, because you know, I mean you've been teaching for for you know, a couple of decades now, right? Are you in yep. year 20, 19? Yeah. Just finished 19, um, yeah. Amazing, man. Congrats. Thanks. So you know exactly how it is in terms of like the job action that happens, at least in the in the public school. So we were going on strike, which felt like every other year. Yeah. So by 2015, there was there was more job action and you know, teachers across the pick, picket lines. Some are saying work to rule. Some are saying we're going to be doing things as normal. Some are saying we're not doing anything at all. So there's no real unity in between, you know, among the teachers. You know, the government just sort of waits things out. They offer you some nonsense contract and teachers are like, oh, you know, nothing. everything, go, man. Yeah. And you just go back and you do the same thing over again <laughs> and until, until it's the next uh, strike. Mm-hmm. So after 2015, I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. I'm just going to go teach in Dubai. The reason uh, I ended up out here is because 
when I ended up uh, graduating from SFU, we had some family friends who lived out here. And they suggesting that I move out here in like 2006, but I had no clue what it was. I was like, no, I'm not ready for that. Anyway, so um, yeah, so I came out here. So I've been teaching high school uh, at a local school here for, uh, I did three years um, in a small area called Alain, um, and then, which is part of Abu Dhabi, the Emirate. And then I did three years there and then teaching English at a local school. And then I ended up moving to Dubai in 2018. And I did, uh, I was working at a international American school teaching PE. Um, so the last school that I was, that I just finished at, which was, I guess, about a year ago. Um, so the quick story is I got hired there along with about 30 other teachers or like the new wave of teachers that came into that school. Okay. Uh, around Christmas time, uh, the school director who had hired about 30 of us, she abruptly just left the school. It turns out that the school management, which is owned by uh, like local companies, local families, that sort of thing. It's not like BC where you have like your union and people who can represent you. They can just, yeah. if if they, if you if it's a two-year contract and they want to end it after one, they'll just end it after one. They'll pay you out and then that's it. Yeah. So after that, um, after the school director who'd hired us, she left. We found out that she left because school management wanted her to to pretty much fire the group of 30 of us that she had just brought in. And she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So she sort of, you know, took the fall and she left. Um, but in the weeks following that, which was right after Christmas, uh, they brought in a new director and his job was literally just to bring people into the office and just one by one uh, cancel their contracts. Right. <laughs> so they were, yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much how it went. So and I'd been here for, um, I'd been here for, this is my, what, six, six and a half years, seven years. Uh, and you sort of know that that's just sort of like the climate out here. Um, like there's no real pensions for, for teachers and different things like that. So you come out here at your own risk, but there are way more benefits than uh, negatives of, of living out here and working out here. That's for sure. So I just want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. But um, so this is, this is January and, you know, people were getting emails. So you would check your email. And if you got like the email, it was like, you know, judgment day, you would go to the office meet the new school director and he would just tell people, Hey, this is the deal. We're going to be moving on from your contract. We'll pay you out. And then come July, good luck. You're on your own. So January 28th. They give I reasons. The, so just no, like they want to no shift reasons. in culture or just, Nope, just no. exactly. Yeah. They just, yeah, okay. it's a shift in culture. It's new management. It's just how it is. Good luck. We'll write you a, a NOC letter and you know, all the best. So for me on January 28th, uh, of, I guess, 2022, last year, uh, I got a message on LinkedIn. And I don't typically don't check LinkedIn, but, you know, whenever I had a new job or if I was playing for a new pro team, I would just update that and, you know, let that ride out. But I never, yeah. I'm not posting on there or nothing. Um, yeah, same here. I got a message from, yeah, right? So I got a yeah. message from a, from a recruiter from London. She's like, hi, Emmanuel. Uh, I'm just checking out your profile. I think you would be a great candidate for this uh, this position. One of my clients is the NBA, and she brackets, she put, yes, the NBA. Uh, and the position is the basketball operations manager based in Abu Dhabi. If you're interested in the position, you know, send me a, an email. We can get on Zoom. I was like, this has to be a joke, right? So hey, I show like my wife. So exactly. So I show my wife. I'm like, is this, is this, a, is this for real? I'm She's checking like, my LinkedIn right now. <laughs> exactly, right? So I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, advocate for LinkedIn. People update your LinkedIn. You never know. So I go on Google. I check out the lady's name. I check out her company. Everything comes back clean. So this is January 28th. Yeah. January 29th, 
On the 29th, I met with her on Zoom. She's like, you know what? I think this would be great. I think you would be fantastic for the position. I'm going to forward your, your CV. I'm going to forward your application. That was January 29th. February 2nd, I got the email. I got called into the office and they essentially let me go. So they said, um, we are going to, you're going to finish your contract up until July. We'll pay you okay. your two month uh, bonus salary, this and that. We'll pay out your severance and then, hey, good luck. And I said, okay, cool. And the director was like, do you have any questions? Do you want to know? I said, no, it's fine. Because in my mind, three days before, on when I got the, the next one, it's on to yeah. the next. And this is like, this is like the league. I said, it's all good because my mind is focused on the NBA. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to put myself in position for them to offer me this basketball operations manager position. So I was yeah. like, it's cool. If you guys want to let me go, you're essentially paying me to leave anyways, because I'm getting this, this, this job. And I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. I told my wife, I think I told my brother, uh, I think I told maybe like maybe two people throughout it's the crazy. entire interview, throughout yeah. the whole interview in the, the whole interview process was about three and a half, almost four months. It was, uh, I did about six and a half, seven interviews. Um, so basically from February until like mid May, after all those interviews, meeting with this person, that person, this person in London, this person in Madrid, this person in at the New York office, they, um, they offered me the the position and I was very happy about it. <laughs> That's insane, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Vic Gregory just messaged me, me on LinkedIn today. Swear to God. Oh, really? See, he's we're a, talking about him. He's a, he's a turn yeah, legend. He added me as a follower, like, and then he said, hey, love to, love to chat in person at some point. Unreal. Because he See? made me check my LinkedIn, man. There we go. No job offers yeah. to become a full-time podcaster for the NBA, but that's okay. You can work on that. That'd be amazing, man. man. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. Would, <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. That's but, uh, crazy, yeah, I'll, though. I'll, yeah, I'll 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 try to wrap this up real quick. Um, the story. So yeah, so they offered me the position, and then I started in. Uh, I just fin- I just completed my first year. Um, okay. In the NBA, so I started July fourth. So I finished my teaching Damn. contract July. Congrats, man. July first. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. I finished on July 1st and then July 4th, I was in London doing my training for this, for this position. So in between jobs, I literally had two days off, but uh, I was like, this is like literally the opportunity of, of a lifetime. Um, and to be honest, like I love being in education. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I had a really, really big impact on, on, you know, hundreds of, I mean, dozens, if not hundreds of kids thousands. Um, and they're thousands. Yeah. And they're, and they're developing. Love have, you, man. Some of those QE yeah, kids I mean, need a guy like you too, man. No doubt. Yeah, you know, I still get you know some messages on on uh, on Instagram or emails nice. or even some WhatsApp from some kids I used to coach and teach, and they're like, you know what? I loved, and these kids are like 32, 33, yeah. 34, and you still have that impact on them. So I did love being in education, and it's uh, it was an invaluable uh, part of my life and part of in, in my career. But. Um, you know, even two or three years prior to to transitioning out of education, I was also I was already feeling that itch. And I was like, you know what, I think it's time for me to to move on, do something different, because I just felt I'd done everything that I'd set out to accomplish in, in education. I didn't really have any interest in, you know, administration and things like that. So um prior to COVID 2019, I was like, okay, what 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 do I need to do? What do I want to do? I couldn't really just- figure it out. I knew I it is the Sorry? sort of cut you off. It is the challenge in education too, is like for sure. Is like kind of I've tried the admin thing, didn't really like it. Um, and I always tell my wife, you know, like listen to my conversations and if you hear like I need change, let's have the conversation. But I think 
there are some things you can change, but I think it also depends on school, like where you're at, you know, admin, how much they support you. So for sure, I don't think you're alone in that. And I think it's good to have that ability to reflect and go, you know what? I'm not, I'm not giving the quality or I'm not going to be giving the quality that I know I can because my heart's not as much into it. Whereas I think a lot of teachers stick it out for too long, Yeah, you know, right. and still do yeah. things from 20 years ago and, and enjoy their holidays. Whereas we're talking about the future, right? So not to get all yeah. deep, but not many, no, people I, can, I, not many people can do that. No, I absolutely agree. Um, yeah, I agree with you. And that's sort of how I was feeling you know, at the time, again, I, I enjoy teaching. I like works, teaching. Man. Yeah. Then you but get a I was just trying LinkedIn, to... <laughs> like what? <laughs> a like LinkedIn reading your mind. Yeah. <laughs> but I was trying to, you know, figure out my way to transition from, from education. And mm-hmm. so prior to COVID in 2019, I enrolled um, at a school here. It's pretty much like the equivalent of like a, like a Sprott Shaw, like a community college okay. type thing. Mm-hmm. But I took a course in, in uh, I took a one-year diploma in sports management. Man, I felt if I still shot. want to work, yeah, <laughs> it's like damn. Commercial. I don't know what they have these days because the damn yeah. commercial. Man. Community college since from 1903. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So that was hey, essentially like they've done something right with sure. their marketing, man. If you and I, absolutely, you can still <laughs> you remember the you still know the jingle, man. Come on, yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. But um, sorry, yeah, sorry. so I took yeah, no, it's all good, man. So I took I took the sports management course because like, okay, if I take this course, I don't know where it's gonna take me. I just know that if there's an opportunity to work in sports, this open will this will this will open the door. So I think yeah. taking that course without NBA anywhere near my the the radar, um I th- I thought that would sort of put me in a position that, you know, if there's yeah, I was going online, I was looking at NBA, I was like, maybe there might be an opportunity. I was looking at jobs with FIBA, anything. And I remember um, around the time, this is when the BAL came out to uh, the Basketball Africa League. And I was telling, you know, my wife and I was like, and some homies, I'm like, yo, this is really, really close to Abu Dhabi. I got to I got to work in the Basketball Africa League. I got to figure out I'm going to get to the league somehow. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to I'm going to get there somehow. And then they also announced um, this is prior to the whole LinkedIn thing. Yeah. They announced that the NBA was uh, coming to Abu Dhabi with the junior NBA league and all this stuff. I was like, oh, dang. So the NBA is coming to Abu Dhabi, man, I've got to figure out, i got to get to the NBA somehow. I'm going to figure it out. And then they ended up, you know, coming to me a few months later. So, yeah, man, it's, I don't know. I really don't know what to tell you. I just, I mean, I feel I was prepared because, yeah. you know, it just, but these are things that were instilled in me from, from high school. Yeah. Maybe even elementary school, just seeing, just seeing how my dad operated how my mom operated and you know just sort of the values and things that they instilled in us not just in education but in life and just being prepared and and showing up and being present those sort of things so i felt i i mean i feel i still do a pretty good job of that and i feel that's sort of attracts you know different energies and 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 people and, and things and opportunities so i think it has a little bit to do with that as well so yeah i think that's pretty much agree. a i would agree yeah. man i would agree 100 yeah. i think um yeah being present, like those are things that you're lucky you had that foundation. Um, Cause a lot of those things that you listed off are parenting too, right? Sure. It's feel energy, man. They feel how present you are. They feel if you're on your phone or not. And it's no difference, no different if it's a two and a half year old or if it's a 50 year old in the NBA, right? Like it's, yeah, 
It's all Absolutely. connected, man. And so you've got some exciting things coming up though, right? Like, isn't the NBA heading out there and just talk a little bit about that before we, uh, sure. see how you feel yeah. about ketchup chips or whatever. Yeah. I'll let you know. So, um, yeah. so, so my main responsibility as the, uh, basketball operations manager is, uh, I pretty much manage the junior NBA leagues for the whole middle East. So, um, we're going into our third year of the junior NBA league here in Abu Dhabi. I was part of season two and then upcoming season three. I wasn't part of season one. It was prior to my, uh, to getting hired. Yeah. Um, so that's essentially our, our grassroots, uh, basketball league for under 14s. Um, we were, we expand every single year. So season one, we had 30 teams, uh, boys and girls season two, which we just completed, which I was, uh, managing out here in Abu Dhabi. We expanded to 60 teams. Damn. Uh, and that included a jump from 10 girls teams from season one to 30 girls teams to wow, season that's two. Huge. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. The impact that, um, that the NBA is, is having here in this, in this region. Cause you know, this is a football country, mm-hmm. uh, soccer country, soccer, jujitsu, things like that. But it's slowly, um, with the efforts of, of the NBA and, you know, the people that I, that I work with, I work with a fantastic, fantastic team. Um, and they're based in London and Madrid and the, uh, the leadership and guide and guidance and teamwork, you know, um, and just sort of how we operate a team makes my job, which is very, very busy and it can be challenging, but it makes it, uh, it's very, it's very worthwhile. And I really enjoy for like the first time in a long time, like my job, it doesn't feel like a job. Um, but yeah, so my main job is to organize and manage the junior NBA leagues, Mm -hmm. uh, in the Middle East. So from here, Qatar, Lebanon. Uh, I just came back from Israel not too long ago, a few, uh, or last week. Um, and coming up in August, we have Team USA, uh, who were preparing for the, the World Cup, the best, uh, so the FIBA World Cup, which is happening in the end of August. So we got Team USA, which is obviously, you know, all NBA talent. Um, we also have, uh, Greece, Germany, Lebanon, Mexico, and Egypt. So we're going to be here in Abu Dhabi in a few weeks. Uh, playing some friendly games uh, as a warm up for the for the World Championships, sorry, the World Cup, and then in August, sorry, not August, in October, so we have smart the, by the NBA, like so smart. Oh yeah, like just yeah, to yeah. Help. they definitely know what they're yeah, they definitely know what they're doing. Yeah, um, at just building the game in the region. That's the whole point. Is just really trying to trying to establish uh, Abu Dhabi as like the like the the center point of of basketball, not just in the country, but in the Middle East. So we're really starting here. This is going to be the epicenter, and we're just going to sort of fan out and, you know, slowly um, slowly expand throughout the throughout the GCC region. Um, but like I said, in October, which is when you got to get out here, know, is right? uh, we got the we got Dallas and Minnesota, and this is the second year of the preseason games out here in Abu Dhabi. In Abu Dhabi, so they're going to play. Two preseason games on uh, one on October fifth, then the other one is on October seventh. Um, so my job during that NBA week is to organize all the junior NBA events, um, and then support my uh, my my coworkers in the basketball operations department with some of their tasks, like if it's uh, managing like legends visits at the NBA store here at the at the Yacht Mall. Or being part of the coaches' clinics put on by some of the NBA coaches, mm-hmm. uh, we do social responsibility clinics like with uh, some underprivileged groups or like Special Olympics, uh, and those are like we'll have like the entire like last year we had the entire Milwaukee Bucks roster part of that clinic. So that was like yeah. Giannis, Brooke Lopez, all those guys that are right there, and we organize those clinics 
uh, that those guys are, are are a part of. So, yeah, I end up, you know, I can do at any point, like I could be ordering T-shirts and basketballs and sending them to Lebanon, or I can be, <laughs> you know, hosting Allen Iverson and Lisa Leslie at the NBA store and like interviewing them. Mm-hmm. I actually interviewed like Allen Iverson, which is crazy. You know, our our comms department sent me an email like a week before. They're like, hey, by the way, we can't send anybody out there to Abu Dhabi. Um, Alan and Alan, first name Alan. basis. Look at me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and Lisa Leslie, they're going to be out there in the region. They have, they're going to be like, can you organize the um, the school visits for them and then organize their appearance at the NBA store? So I was like, yeah, sure. So I organized all that. And they said to me, hey, do you mind uh, hosting the Q&A? We don't, we don't have, you know, we're not, we don't have so-and-so who we can send out from London. Like, do you mind doing that? And I'm like, ah, yeah, sure. I'll check my schedule. But I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> of course I'll do it, you know? So, yeah, this job, it's a very dynamic position and it's very rewarding. And, um, yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed every every bit of it so far. And I'm looking forward to uh, to this coming year. I'm looking forward to, to August and looking forward to uh, October and then whatever happens, you know, for the rest of this year and going into next year. It's awesome, man. Just helping grow the game. That's so dope. Um, That's who's, who's the coolest person you've met? Like just sort of laid back, kind of easy to chat, easy to chop it up with. Is there someone that stands out? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's so funny sometimes because you meet people that you've been watching since you were, you know, in high school or, yeah. you know, even as an adult, like I have a picture on my Instagram with literally Shaquille O'Neal holding my daughter. She's crying the whole she time. She looks real so, happy. Yeah. 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 It's actually like, like the yeah. real Shaq, but, um, <laughs> No, you meet some of those big names and those are really, really cool because you, you know, you grow up watching them. But one person that really sticks out was actually Lisa Leslie. Mm. He was, uh, I was going to say, you're like, we're talking about Alan. I'm like, yo, Lisa Leslie, though. Yeah. At least for, you know, our generation. She's like, she is like the, she's like the goat of women's basketball, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, And she has a real passion for, for the women's game and growing the game, uh, not just in the States, but internationally. And she's just like a very, nice, pleasant, down to earth. Like she's like a very elegant person. So when we did our, our Q and A's and our school visits, she was very warm with the kids, answered all the questions, signed all the autographs. She did all that. So she was, she's fantastic. Um, I had some good conversations with the uh, team at Teresa McGrady. Nice. We ended up going to the, doing a desert safari with him. And uh, my sister Joy was the main photographer for that project as well. Nice. And the October game. So imagine like we're from Poco and then my sister and I are in the desert with Tracy McGrady doing the, the dune buggies. Like it's, it's crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, to so sort of finish with that, uh, another cool guy that I met is um, uh, Roni Turia. Played for the oh, Lakers. Oh yeah, of course. For, uh, for the Knicks. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a Gonzaga guy. He's a he great guy. like got good energy. Yeah, he definitely does. He's one of our uh, NBA ambassadors. So we have some players who have, you know, retired in recent years and we can call them to. Sure. Hey, we need, you know, to make an appearance at a junior NBA event in Lebanon or in Abu Dhabi. And they'll they'll come and, you know, spend a few days here, talk with the kids, uh, be part of some of the clinics and that sort of stuff. So it's really cool to uh to really connect with some of these guys on a personal level. And they're really just regular dudes who are really, really good at basketball, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they're very, you know, for the most part, I haven't really met any NBA legend or any any NBA ambassador that that I've worked with that has been you know, pretentious or or arrogant or or, or cocky. Mm-hmm. I think we do a really good job of selecting people who we know want to really give back to the game and sort of uh you know have the 
the attitude of of it's going to sound corny, but the attitude of gratitude for their uh-huh. for all the blessings that that you know that they've had and all the opportunities, and they really do a really uh, amazing job of of giving back to to the game. So, yeah, those people really stick out in my mind, and I'm really looking forward to to meeting uh, to meeting more within the next few months. Love it, man. I can say 112 apps. Like, there's been some crazy stories about contracts being signed or how people had jobs and you know like the one that sticks out like scott morrison at the uh dole whip station in summer league or whatever like but yours is up there though man that's wild linkedin yeah like, i literally just like reactivated my account like six months ago <laughs> like that's crazy yeah you never know man they they have like active recruiters that just like sure. comb sure comb that 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 app and they just look for like keywords and things like that so you never know man like yeah yeah, I don't know. It's just, it did it happen. It was supposed to happen and it did happen. Hundred. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm very, very grateful that, that it happened the way it did. So love it. Yeah, very happy about it. Good stuff. Okay, you ready? Yeah, man, I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. You and four dudes on the blacktop who we got. Okay, I was thinking about this question. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, like, I've played with so many amazing teammates. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to stick to people that I, I know I'm not going to say like, oh, I'm going to take, you know, MJ or this sure. person, that person, sure. uh, just former teammates or people that I know who I've, you know, had fantastic on court experiences with. Um, I'm taking my brother, him. Let's go yeah, for sure. Uh, I love the way he plays. He, uh, he plays with a real chip on his shoulder as well. And, uh, actually shout out to Tim because he's one of the few coaches who's taken high school teams to back-to-back championships at the BCs. And uh, he won with that uh, with that Kamloops team, South Cam, yeah, two thousand, yeah, South Cam in two thousand eighteen. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the best coaches in the province. But you know, you can call me no. biased or not, but I'm definitely I'm definitely taking him on my team. And he's so, doing uh, his thing. He's help, is he helping with Northern Bounce or whatever? With Jay White, yeah. Thing? So him a little and, bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have a a chapter, I guess, or an extension of Northern Bounce in Kamloops. Yeah. So, so Tim and Sean Garvey, Garvey. are like the, the head coaches, uh, managers, everything of, uh, <laughs> of the, um, of the Kamloops, uh, branch of, uh, yeah. Northern Bounds. Yeah. And again, those guys are doing a great job. We talked about club basketball before and people who are doing it the right way. These guys are definitely doing it the right way. So mm-hmm. I just got out to, to Tim and Sean and then also, uh, everything that JY built out there in Prince George. So sure. yeah, for sure. 100%. Um, but yeah, so I'm taking Tim on my team. I'm taking Taylor, Cheris Wilding, because that's just my man. Um, I honestly think he's the best point guard I've I've played with. And this is no disrespect to you know some of the great guards I've played with. Yeah. Um he's also my probably my favorite teammate that I've played with. Like that dude has pretty much spoon fed me when it comes to fast break. <laughs> and we used to throw alley oops off the backboard like in game. At Terry yeah. Fox, so you imagine how much that pissed off uh, oh, yeah. Chambers and, and Van Oss. <laughs> but, you know, he's a fantastic bat passer. You need that outside. He can shoot if you're playing on the blacktop, if it's windy down there at Kids Beach. Uh, he's the best shooter I've, I've ever played with, one of the best shooters I've ever seen. So I'm definitely taking, yeah, so I got Tim. I got Taylor. I got uh, my man, John, John Boateng. Um, He's definitely on my team. He can defend both guard positions and his tenacity. Uh, offensively and defensively. And I just think he's, he's a great dude. I mm-hmm. consider him like, I don't have an older brother, uh, but I really consider him like my real, like older brother. Um, Love I'm it. also taking, and as my fourth, I'm taking my man, BC, 
Brent Charlton. Uh, this is a team, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. This is this a really, is really a, good team. This is yeah. this is a good squad. Yeah, like if you take this team to Kids Fest, you're not getting the rock take though. To, Don't get it twisted. Ain't nobody. That's okay. Like my my outdoor game is is okay, but yeah. like. I, first of all, I don't even play outdoors anymore. Yeah. So I need yeah. guys. I need like guys who can. Knees. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I only got really one knee one. left. We didn't yeah. get into that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll save that for another day. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That was 2003 at UBC. That was crazy. But um, yeah, that is a serious uh, outdoor squad. You can take that to Kids Fest. You can take that to Dolphin. Those are my four guys. Love it. Yeah. Um. Okay, so you might be on a different level here because you know you're you're in the desert or whatever, but um you go like movie time or you got some time to yourself to have a snack. What kind of what kind of bag of chips are you grabbing? Um maybe we could do the desert version and the poco version. <laughs> well, in terms of the desert version, they got these they got some chips out here. They're essentially like equivalent to like barbecue chips back home, like the the okay. thin lays barbecue chips. Uh, I think the name of them, they're called Oman, Oman chips. Okay. okay. Uh, so those are pretty good. I'll see if I can pack some for me when I come back home in December, then I'll, I'll let you try them out. Okay. But, uh, but lately we've just been buying the, uh, you know, just like the Tostitos, like the Tostitos, like tortilla chip. Yeah. But this, the, uh, it's the lime, the lime flavored one. Ooh. Yeah. Always leave, those are nice. they leave a little film on your fingers too. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are dope. I really like those. And, uh. You know, when my my daughter likes those as well. I mean, because you can go raw dog, uh, you go straight up. They don't need they don't need salsa either. They've got enough. Definitely do not. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's uh, so I'd say those Oman chips are, are really good. I'm only saying the Oman chips because that's like the best like local chip that I've tried, sure. but I don't buy those often. Yeah, yeah. But um, if I had to choose one, it would be those uh, those lime tostitos. Those are those are my favorite right now. I don't know if I like it. I like that yeah. pull. I like that. Thanks, man. Um, okay, best seat in the house, artist dead or alive. I'm guessing you're gonna have a few. What concert are we going to see if we get the choice? Um uh that's a good question. Um and I know the answer. The answer for that would be and people have said it before on the podcast because like I said, I've listened to pretty much all of them. Um, if I could go back, I would have made way more effort to go to a, a Michael Jackson show. Sure. For sure. Yeah. I know um yeah, a few guys have said that in, in recent episodes, but yeah. um uh I remember back in 09 when he passed, he uh he had I think it was like 50 shows or 70 shows at the uh the O2 arena mm-hmm. in uh in London. And then yeah. I think he you know passed away before those began. Like I was literally planning to I'd never been to London yet at that time. So I was I was thinking, you know what, you're gonna go. my last chance to see him. I was thinking I gotta find a way. You know, I, yeah. I've got to find a way to get to London to go to this Michael Jackson show. So yeah. I never got opportunity for that, obviously, but that would have been, that would have been amazing. Obviously you see his, you know, his, his energy, oh. his, 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 his talent, his, his dancing and all that sort of stuff. I mean, again, we grew up listening to his, to his music. So yeah, I definitely sure. would have loved to opportunity to see him perform live. Is there anybody else? Is there like a, is there like artists from the home country that you listen to? Mm, I mean, Not I am really. listening to, I mean, you do listen to like a ton of Afrobeats yeah. out here for sure. And I love it. Uh, we'll take it way back. I remember you had, uh, the Connor from UBC. 
Yep. And he he puts you on uh, Malik Berry. Malik, Malik yeah, Berry, yeah, 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 he did. Yeah, I remember that episode. He's he's nice too. Yeah. But um, you'll see like a ton of Afrobeat uh, artists coming really? out here to to oh yeah, tons. Nice. They come from from uh, and they perform out here in in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Uh, so like you know you got the regulars like Burna Boy and uh, like Devito. Yeah. I've seen them both out here in you know doing shows at local lounges and clubs and that sort of stuff. Nice. Uh, Wizkid, you know all the main all the main ones. I like to listen to Tenny. She's also a Nigerian performer. She's really really funny. Her Instagram account is hilarious. My wife and I look at it every now and then and just laugh. Yeah. She's she's a character, so she's good. Dope. Um, yeah. So I like to listen to my Afrobeats, but you know me, like I'm a I'm a hip hop guy as well, hip hop and R and B dudes. So yeah, you know how it is. I mean, you I, and I we go I back do. and forth on that all the time. We so. do. The yeah. thread is long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like who can yeah. it's like who can one up their freestyle that they said. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't need words. You can just speak through 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 music and memes, and you're good. You know. Yeah. It speaks its own. It speaks its own language. It's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Catch up on macaroni. Okay, well, I I need to preface this because I don't eat like I'm talking about KD, right? Mm-hmm, Macaroni mm-hmm. and cheese KD. I used to eat it back in the day, but uh, mm-hmm. now I don't really eat too much dairy or you know, like processed stuff uh, per se. But back in the day, you know, back in college days and you know the few years after college before moving out here, I was definitely a big fan of KD, and I would absolutely put ketchup on my KD macaroni and cheese. I definitely did. And I'm not mad at people. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I I feel that I can share. And I'm not mm-hmm. mad at people who who still do it. Like if I were to eat macaroni and cheese again today, like mm-hmm. Katie, I would put I would put ketchup on it. I would. Yeah. I think it's I think it tastes great, <laughs> to be honest. Like I'd rather have ketchup on it than just eat it plain. But I don't really eat macaroni and cheese. That might say like more about the product itself, you know? Like yeah, yeah, true. yeah, yeah. I know, I know. You might be disappointed, but uh, no, yeah. no, no disappointment no, at all. <laughs> Your episode, not mine. Yeah, I always, I always find it hilarious when we get to this part and uh, people share their their uh, their opinion on macaroni and cheese, and then always it always comes with a justification. They're like, hey, you know, <laughs> I always find that funny. This is usually my my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> Who have been some of the most important people in your life? I mean, you've touched on a lot, but. Did you miss anyone? Yeah. I mean, I've talked about my parents for sure. And then my siblings, my older sister, Ruth, uh, then my younger siblings, uh, Joy, and then Tim. Um, we're all very close as siblings, which, mm. you know, the older you get, you realize that's kind of rare. You mm-hmm. know, siblings who are legit friends um, when they're, they're in their 30s and early 40s, sometimes, you know, families have, you know, every family has issues. Like we don't sit here and agree on everything all the time. Sure. But we've sort of made uh, an agreement that we're always going to stay close and stay together and support each other. So um, those uh, so my my immediate family, uh, my siblings and my parents are definitely major, major uh, contributors to any type of success that I've ever had in my in my life. And um, I definitely would not be here in this position, you know, without them um, more recently. Obviously, like the family that I chose to create have been extremely, you know, influential uh, and important piece of um, of my life. And that starts with my wife, Steph. I met her here in Dubai. 
uh, a few years ago. Um, and she's been fantastic in terms of, uh, not just as a, as a, as a spouse or, you know, a wife or a partner, but also as, as a mom. Um, like I used to ask her, I'm like, have you been a mom before? Like, how do you know just instinctually these things, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's unbelievable just how, like, she's a very selfless person and she's just a very calm, classy person. And the great thing about her is that, um, you know, I felt I made fantastic choice in, mm-hmm. <laughs> in choosing to, to walk up to her, uh, when I first saw her. And then, you know, I actually, you know, I pursued her because I'm like, this is a quality, you know, a quality person. So, mm-hmm. uh, shout out to me for recognizing that. And then shout out to her for doing that, you know, just for being herself. Um, but it's great because she gets along fantastically, if that's a word with, uh, with my whole family. It's like she's very close with my, with both of my sisters, uh, and my parents. Like we zoom every few days with the kids and, mm-hmm. um, she's good friends with, uh, like even my group of friends, you know, back home. Nice. Um, yeah. Like we went for, for, for breakfast at Casey's place, at Casey Archibald's place, uh, a couple of Christmases ago. Um, so we've been able to have those sort of relationships with people who are close to me and they've sort of welcomed her in as, uh, just, you know, family as well. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, my kids, it's been, you know, I, I get a little like emotional sometimes talking about these kids because it's like, I, I, you know, when you wake up in the morning, like my day, like my objective is set. I don't mm-hmm. know what it's going to look like in terms of, okay, this meeting, that meeting, I got to go to this place or that place, or I'm going to eat this. I'm going to work out at this point. But my, my objective is to make my kids like their existence, their, their life. Hey, I want to teach them things, but I want to make it for them as comfortable as possible. I want them to understand that. The reason that why we as parents, my wife and I, what we do as we, what we're doing is, is for these kids. You know, I wake up every day knowing that, okay, if I need to meet a deadline for a presentation or if I need to travel to this country to do this or do this, or if I need to make sure that I'm budgeting properly, you know, finances and all these different things and spending enough time with my kids, you know, taking them to the pool when I have like a 45 minute break, going to Mm -hmm. the pool or taking them to the park. These are the things that they're going to remember. These are the things that make waking up in the morning worth it because that's what it's really all for. As you know, it, it might sound cliche, but like I love my kids, man, like a lot. Mm-hmm. And seeing them grow and seeing how like the type of things that we're trying to teach them and just like their response to, you know, if I go to Lebanon for three days and I come back and like <laughs> legacy is like, yeah, and she runs to me i'm just like bro like this happens now like this gets to happen like it's 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 the best so um yeah my whole life goal is to make sure that i i present the best to, I, I i try to be the best person for them and for my family and I'm, I'm i'm representing more than myself or the company or the nba when i'm when i'm working or if i'm traveling or if i'm you know at a restaurant you know, how you treat people, you know, different things like that, right? These mm. are things that these kids pick up on. They're very perceptive. Oh, Again, yeah. sorry for the long answer, but... No, um, they're watching, man. Yeah, yeah. Having having kids and, you know, being in the position where I am now uh, as a father yeah. is is the best thing that I've ever done in my life. And I'm not sure if I can top it. Boom. 
Yeah. Church on a Wednesday, my friend. Church on a Wednesday. Let's go. I love it. It's true, man. Yeah, man. It is true, though. They're always watching. Like sometimes Eli will oh. bring something up, and me and Reagan are like, "Was he in the yeah. room when we were talking or doing?" You know, like he's just yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so true. Um, well said. Books or movies? Thank you. Um, I'm more of a. I should read more, but I'm not gonna lie. I'm a. I'm a movie guy. I'm a movie guy. Let's, let's not even it, pretend. Um, not kid yeah. related. What's uh, yeah. what's what's what sticks out or like what's uh what's in the pocket? No, it's, um, well, there's. It's funny because I have like a real wide range of the type of movies that I like. Like we grew up like on musicals, to be honest. I used to love watching musicals growing up. Damn. So, yeah, I know. I know. It sounds a little funny, a little weird. That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, I used to love, like, I remember growing up and watching, like, Grease. Like, Grease was a cool movie back in the day, like, in elementary school. Yeah. Um, another musical that we sort of grew up on was, my sister brought up the other day, like, The Sound of Music. Like, I pretty much know all of those songs, <laughs> like, the whole soundtrack. <laughs> and pretty much the dialogue. You know, yeah, the yeah. characters like pretty much. Um, you remember like Orphan Annie, like the redhead Orphan Annie. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like Daddy Warbucks. Like I know that that version, the Eileen Quinn version. I know that one. I think that came out in 1982, 87, something like that. Let's uh, be, so, yeah, let's be real here. Come, mom and dad were like, "There's no way you're getting to choose. This is what you're watching." Like for yeah, it's true. Have a family <laughs> movie night. We're watching. We're watching. Yeah, movies. yeah. We weren't. We, we weren't really watching. You know. <laughs> uh, you know. X, oh, sorry, not extra. I mean, R-rated uh, movies and stuff like that. Growing up, anything with guns, yeah. we weren't allowed to watch. Yeah, yeah. Anything yeah. with guns or anything too uh, too overtly physical, let's say, we weren't allowed to watch those. Not when you're the the, the son of a of a of a pastor. Right. Certain things you're allowed to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I I mean, I also enjoyed like uh, remember the movie Gladiator, oh, Russell Crowe. That's all time. Oh, what for am me, I? Dog. Yeah. One of my favorites. And then also there's so many there's uh, so many takeaways from that one. Oh, big time. Yeah. So I good. think that's a, when he comes back and his family's movie. burning. Yeah. Grabs oh, his wife's terrible. feet, man. Like woof. Yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, it's on now. Movie. Yeah. yeah. It's on now. Like you yeah. can do that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, run it. Uh <laughs> I think low-key, I'm also a big fan of like uh Leonardo DiCaprio. I like pretty much yeah. like all his movies. Okay. The one that really uh sticks out to me is do you remember Shutter Island? Yeah, yeah, that's he's a fantastic movie. That. Where he's at, like the like the mental asylum. Yeah, and he's then they're looking for like the the criminal, but it's it's him. But he's gone crazy because you know he killed his yeah. wife, he killed her kids, and then all that stuff. And yeah, it's a big mind mind bender thriller. Good pull. Movie. Yeah, I really Good enjoyed that pull. movie. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Wow, well done. Yeah, Gladiator, Gladiator's all time for me too, man. Well done. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Good. Okay, uh, you already know, you've listened to a ton of episodes. Last question before we let you go. First of all, glad we were able to do this, sort out the time. Appreciate you. You know, we've known each other a long time. So it's kind of cool to see kind of what people are doing with their lives these days. And um, it's kind of full right. circle, you know? So congrats sure. to you and all your success. And, you know, I think the role that you're in is meant to be, right? It's kind of like the perfect spot for you. I think you'll you're going to kill it and continue to do it. So congrats on one year and you got like 25 more to go, man. Who knows what, who knows where <laughs> that'll take you. And you're like, nah, I'm yeah. be well retired by then. But um, who yeah. do you want to see on a hoops journey? Um, 
who do I want to see? First of all, thanks for that. Uh, what you just said there, I really appreciate it. And it is, yeah, it is full circle from you know Thomas Haney Spring League with you and Colin coaching us to to now. You know, we 20, didn't mess you up too bad. Later. That's good. No, you definitely did it, man. You guys taught me a lot, so I really, uh, I really appreciate it, man. I, and and again for you guys, congrats uh, on all your success. Congrats on twenty years in, in education, and you know your provincial championship winning coach as well. And you've made a big difference in in tons of kids' lives as well. So thanks, man. I'm really just trying to follow, uh, follow, follow your footsteps and follow your lead, man. <laughs> um, you definitely have a lot to be uh, to be proud of, and I know there's a lot of kids out there who definitely look up to you and what you've been doing. Appreciate so, that. Appreciate it. Um, what I want to see on this podcast, uh, I got a few actually, yep. and I can't get you in, in touch with these people for sure. Um, again, I'll start with my brother. I think my brother has a really good basketball story as well. Um, which is, which, is, which continues, uh, now. And he's low key, probably the most athletic in our, in our family. Like all, all four of us were CIS athletes. Both mm-hmm. my sisters played volleyball, Trinity Western, uh, Joy, uh, Ruth was at Trinity Western, CIS, Joy played at, uh, Thompson Rivers. Uh, UCC back in the day. And then Tim also played at the Thompson Rivers. He played soccer and he also played for Scott Clark for, I think, two seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, his basketball journey is, uh, is great as well. Again, he's a provincial, uh, champion. And then also he's doing the, he's doing great things with Northern Bounce. Um, and he also has the little podcast that he started as well. Uh, the Bounce. I was going to say, is, we just got to let him know yeah. that I'm the host, you know? Yeah, facts. I, I can make sure that he talk knows. me. <laughs> I mean, he can talk, man. He can talk yeah, for, yeah. Uh, for a long time. I know I'm long-winded sometimes, but he'll, he'll put me to shame. His energy is different, no, love, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In a good yeah, way. In a good a, way. Oh, in a fantastic way. I love mm-hmm. that kid, too. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's great. Um, uh, actually, I think by the time this episode comes out, I'll be an uncle. I know I shouldn't say it right now, but he, he's about to be a father as well. So shout out. Let's go. And, uh, and, and Ashley, so shout out to them. So Congrats. Um, yeah, man. Thanks. So I would definitely suggest Tim. I can get you in touch with him, but I'm sure you can do that as well. But I'll definitely do that. Okay. Um, I talked about John, John Boltang earlier, uh, with his program, uh, with Dream Hoops and yep. the program that they're doing at, uh, at St. Pat's. So not just him, but I think you should probably bring on John and also Nat Santos mm-hmm. together. Uh, because what those guys have built out there in, in, in Vancouver is unbelievable. Like these guys have literally built like a dynasty over the last few years. Like, Mm-hmm. I think they've won three of the last four or two of the last three, something like that. I think COVID yeah, they missed a year, but back to back for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They've been, they do uh, an amazing job just developing the game, uh, especially within like the, the Filipino community. Um, and I think they're great people. They're great coaches. So I think they have a really cool story that uh, people would be interested in hearing. Yep. Uh, and the last person that I would suggest, and this is in no particular order. Uh, I think you should also get Taylor, Taylor Cherish Wilding on here as well. So- so we, um, I mean, here's, actually, you know, here's a funny story. We did like a, it's like a one year anniversary thing at the Parkside Brewery. Yeah. And so he came out and he was one of the guys that we just kind of did a live thing with. Right. Oh, but then right. The audio was like all messed up. So I'm like, listen, man, we'll get you back on. Cause yeah. Okay, you, cool. You're right. You got to get him encyclopedia, on, man. man. I, when we were talking, I was like, oh, this guy is crazy. Yeah, he remembers all the games. And the funny thing, like his mom will remember those games. Like his parents were very, very involved. Really? Uh, I'm still, yeah, yeah. I was very close with their parents growing up. And uh, like his dad came, but we were back in DC. And oh, dad always comes daughter, over to me. Who always come over yeah, and say hi. Yeah. Like his, like, yeah. so his, 
Yeah. His dad and his sister came by the house and met my my daughter at the time. My son wasn't born, obviously, but they came mm-hmm. by. We've been friends with the whole family for for years. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Taylor, he and I started uh, Rain City Basketball back in 2017. I was still living here, so I haven't been involved, um, pretty much at all. Uh, yeah. Probably since then. But like what he's been able to build, and this is like his real passion project. He's really passionate about not just the game, but about people and relationships mm-hmm. and and really growing the game of basketball and providing opportunities for kids who might not have um, those opportunities. So we spoke earlier about people who are in the club basketball system or the AAU circuit who are doing things the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is he's one of those ones, you know, mm-hmm. who's definitely doing things the right way uh, with Rain City, the way he's been able to grow that from, you know, like six kids at what school are we at? Templeton High School, something yeah. like that to I don't know how many club teams that he has now and they're yeah. doing the circuit and he's got his, uh, the splash it up three on three coming up. Um, again, like I can't speak enough about, about Taylor and you know, how much he means to me as a, as a brother, um, both on and off the court. So I definitely will be tuning in for, uh, for his episode when you, when you get him on for all three of those, uh, Dope. all three of those suggestions. Love it. Any last thoughts or reflections, man? We appreciate you. It is, uh, 1126 your time. PM. Yeah, man, it's time for a uh, time for a little snack, and then I'll, I'll get some sleep. Because I think my daughter, she's like clockwork; she'll wake up like around one, and then find her way back yep. to the bed. So I'll yep. be I'll be ready does, for that. Does she feed, but, or is um, it just like, hey, just letting you know I'm still here, and I'm gonna go back to bed now? Yeah, she still I, feeds a little ruin bit. Ruin your sleep for the night, Dad. Yeah, Mom. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she feeds a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, but you know, obviously, her brother is taking the the lion's share of uh, yes of yeah. what's there. <laughs> but uh sometimes if she's if she comes back to the bed, I so I I can gauge it if I'm like, okay, you know what, you can just stay. But if not, I'll just take her back to then I'll I'll sleep with her in her bed because she's yeah. still like a contact sleeper. I don't know what we what we set up, but yeah. yeah. Anyways, um in terms of last reflections, no, again, I just want to thank you, man. Like I really appreciate the the invite. I mean, I was like low-key waiting for for this uh moment. Like since you started the podcast, I'm like man, that would be an amazing podcast to to be on and just sort of share the story just based on the quality of guests that you've had to, to sort of mm-hmm. be in, in the same, you know, same same uh, group of alumni from this podcast. It's uh, it's an honor to be, uh, to be a part of it. So I really appreciate you uh, inviting me uh, to be part of this. And uh, I really wish you uh, continued success and uh, wish all the best for you and the, and the family. Obviously, raising kids is not easy, so... Mm-hmm. Um, everything with the uh, with son and, uh, and the wife. I wish you guys all the success in the world. Any way I can help uh, support you guys from here, just let me know, man. I'm definitely here for uh, for you guys. Got it. Appreciate it, man. We'll uh, we'll bring we'll bring E out to uh, courtside when you come in December. You can meet him and chase him around a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> Uncle that's, that's, M, Uncle M can have a moment <laughs> for sure. We'll definitely do it, man. But thank you, man. And I know like the upon reflection, this is a, this episode, there's so many gonna be so many takeaways for different reasons for different people. And I think um a lot of people will tune in just because they appreciate you and your spirit, man. you you have a, a good way about you and uh you have a charisma that not a lot of people do, and you're kind of a real person as well. Like when when people meet you and chat with you, it's it's authentic. And I think that's why. Um, you've listed off so many people that are important in your life is because they want to be around you as well. So it says a lot. And I think also life was, life's funny. It works funny. And LinkedIn was the connection. 
pardon the pun, but there was a reason too, man. Like you just, some things are just kind of meant to be and good things come to good people. So all the best to you, man. Um, appreciate you keep in touch and uh, thanks for everything. Thank you, man. Those are really kind words. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so you much. You got it. You got it. What a great episode. 112. For those that are looking to get to Abu Dhabi on, in October, get your flight booked. I don't think there's room at the Enegro house, but there is some probably good accommodation that he can help you out with. Thanks to everyone and our sponsors, and we'll see you on the next episode.